Welcome to the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. So as we sat here in the latter part of June, right after the Southern Fried Game Room Expo. I mean, like almost directly after the Southern Fried Game Room <laughs> Expo. I mean, not really, you know. But. All that I can say is, uh Yeah, for the purpose of radio, <laughs> it's right after the Southern Fried Game Room Expo. Huh? And I say, oh, because the uh, the mad dash is over. And, and I could only imagine, Whitney, what... Shannon, Preston, and Patrick, and all the rest of the local crew go through because I know yep. that it was uh, that. Well, every year tends to be a heavy lift for us because we we try to do as much as we can to support the show. Exactly. And this year was I. Know, it was a super heavy lift for you with uh, Skyskipper, and mm-hmm. I took a lot of gear this year for yeah. the presentation that I gave. Yeah. By the time you get there, you spend three-ish full days and all the drive and all the craziness and all the shaking hands and uh well i was gonna say kissing babies but that's very that's i'm not very politician like no no it, it, and you we'll get just, home we'll just park the baby yeah we'll just that? park the baby yeah park you the get home and you're like oh yeah it's time and, to decompress and de- yes exactly decompress yes. so yes. It, like i said here we are this is the first full episode episode 56 and we're going to call this our super ma- massive mega Doppler SFGE 2017 wrap up episode. You mentioned mega Doppler, so I'm going to put that in as a possible show title <laughs> because I, I'll find like some uh, weather radar stuff that just looks like impending doom and everything <laughs> like that. So, well, actually, you know, uh, I may have another show title that, that will come out later when we get into some of the thank yous, and and I have to run down here. And uh, uh, right next to a name, yeah. I have to put a little note in here. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so cool. I make sure to bring it up. Yeah, so. well, I've, I've already made no- I've already made note of that show name because uh, <laughs> it, I love getting these ideas on the fly. So <laughs> that's this, cool. th- this works out well. So here's what we're gonna do. Format of the show for your first time listener is gonna be a little different this time. We're gonna do a super wrap up of Southern Fried Game Room Expo 2017. Yes. Yeah, normal content to resume in July is probably the best way to say that because. I mean, quite honestly, Brent, we need to we need to put a bow on a few things here, mm-hmm. and uh, need to put a bow on on SFG. I need to put a bow on Skyskipper, and uh, and then just kind of kind of get through some uh, some some housekeeping and everything like that. We've got a lot of good stuff to talk about, but uh, yeah, I would say nor- normal format to resume next month. That's probably the best way to look at it. Now that we say that, yes, let's actually do some of the normal format. <laughs> okay, all <laughs> right. Just I wanted to give a couple quick updates, and what really has driven the the, the desire to break from the mold, yet yeah. return to the mold. Yeah, yet return to the mold. A few folks had asked me about some of the prior updates I'd made, uh, folks at SFGE, so I thought mm-hmm. I'd just throw a mention out there. All right, so what have I had going on in gaming outside of SFGE? Yeah, for for the past what, Brent, seven days? Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> not exactly. A, not a whole lot yet, a whole lot. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've mentioned the past couple of months is a rather large deal that I'm trying to get worked out, and that still has not come to uh, the end. Okay. And the holdup there is is part of the deal. I, I'm basically acquiring quite a few games. Uh-huh. The gentleman. F- 
that has these games. He's keeping a couple games and basically really scaling back his collection. Well, I mean, why is that? Do you know? I mean, what's what's the driver behind the guy? I mean, is he getting out or is he keeping like three of his most favorites or what's what's the context? Well, there? here's the funny thing. When I asked him that, uh-huh. uh, he said he got married. And I just okay. okay. All right. So I wrote it off to oh, first of all, congratulations. Yeah. But I, I still don't still don't get it. But okay. And, and, and here, here's what I wrote it off to. I wrote okay. it off to, and and I don't I I can tell just in the time that I talked with him uh, about what he had his collection and just oh. I got a very good co- idea that he he's just a really really good guy. I'm sure a very he is. genuine. Yeah. And. It, my first thought was, did he not set the stage? Hold a seat. See, you're kind of, wait a minute, you're going where I was going. Okay. All right. My first thought was, is this was a recent thing. Uh-huh. Okay. He's like, honey, I've, I love you, but I've got a problem. And the problem <laughs> is 350 pound boxes yeah. that don't work. That's what the problem is, you know? I, well, see, that's where I went. Okay. And he, I would class, he, he's going to be a little older than us. All right. And my thought was, is okay. Well, maybe he he'd had his own home. They're combining homes. This is this is how the marriage come. Ooh, hit, sorry, that was a mic hit. I, I didn't get five minutes into the show. I'm already getting animated, Whitney. <laughs> this that, must be a really good deal. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So that's what I I assumed, and this is this is a lesson for assumption. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I thought this was a new thing. Maybe he'd had a bat, you know, the quote unquote bachelor pad, and yeah. they were combining homes. Yep. And her stuff came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could tell by his age. Like I said, a little older than us. So he was probably. My guess was he was established. She was established. I've had friends that have combined two homes. Yeah. And you've got to you've got to make a lot of compromise. Yeah. It's in my mind. It's like the wicker and the crochet wins. The arcade games are out. Yeah. And that's uh, that's that's bad juju, man. Well, as I got. Uh, got to know him a little better. I come to realize he he's been married for a long time. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, wow. And this has just now yeah, become a problem. I met his son. His son's in his twenties. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so the deal was, and I didn't get into the specifics, but I did kind of ask, and I may have mentioned to him that I thought the marriage was a recent event. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't recall Ooh. if I did, but it it just come down, and he he. If you would have seen the look on his face, he just said it, it was time. Okay, all right, and and I can I can I, I can yeah, get that. He, you know, he had had his space, and um, it it was it was it, the, the it wasn't I didn't get the impression that it wasn't like an exclusive thing. You know, he yeah. had the space in the home, yeah, and it had come to a point where they had both decided to do some remodeling, yeah, and some rearranging. And he just looked at me and he said, you know, really? It, and, I, and I can tell he really enjoyed his collection. Uh-huh. And he just, it, it was just time. Uh-huh. And I think we've all been there. Well, I, fair I, enough. I've had things that I thought I would never, ever get rid of. Uh-huh. And the reason I can't show them to you right now is because I got rid of them. Yeah, yeah. I I, I get it. I get it. So that's what it come down to. Okay. He's keeping a couple games right. and uh, one arcade, one video that needed some work and I as part of the deal I said I'll fix them okay because they just they just had some issues the arcade I've already knocked out mentioned it last show I'm not getting into specifics when it's a done deal I'll tell everybody what it all is yeah uh one uh the other game is a pinball and it is it is eating my lunch Bano of existo yes it is it has got a couple ghosts in the machine yeah and uh at first it had been in a home that had had a, a 
nearby lightning strike. And then the fear was is that it had affected the game. And as I got into the game, it okay. honestly, there was a lot of stuff in the game that was just typical things that happened in pinball. And I could just tell that it just needed some maintenance. It had a stuck driver. It had uh, this and that wasn't working. The power supply was time for a rebuild. Um, it had, it's a DMD game. It had a PIA problem driving the DMD. Just common stuff that, if it was a game in an active collection, when each of those things happened one at a time. It would have been easy fixes. Right. Yeah. But it was several things that had backed up over a period of time. Okay. And I'm down to this last little final ghost in the machine somewhere. I really don't think the lightning strike affected the game. But I've got this last little ghost in the machine that is just driving me insane. I see. Yeah, once that gets knocked out, then uh, all will be right in the world yet again, uh, at least in the the small world of pinball and video games. There you go. And then we'll finish the deal out, and then I'll let everybody know what what happened. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to hear about the you know the end result on this too, because I mean you've told me a little bit about it, but I've I don't want to know all about it because I want to hear some about it on the show, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what makes it oh, fun yeah. too. So, so and the other big thing, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drop names on this either because it's not a done deal. I assume it's going to be a done deal because the seller. I have all the confidence in, but until it happens, <laughs> yeah, you it, never know. Until it happens, it right. hasn't showed Some, up yet. Yeah. Something, uh, something could go wrong uh, in family on that side, sure. on this side. Yeah. Uh, there, a tornado could come up and yep. rearrange everything for six months. It, it hasn't happened, but it looks like I'm going to be the proud owner of a very nice Jurassic Park. So let me ask you, what is, what's the draw behind that title? Is it the quality? Is it the, is it the condition of the game? Is it the pedigree, you know, knowing the owner and everything like that? Is it the gameplay is what, what, what makes you say, I want Jurassic Park over 10 other titles just out of curiosity. Well, first of all, from gameplay, the gameplay perspective, I haven't played a lot of Jurassic Park. Okay. I, can only think of two that I have actually ever seen. Okay. One is in a private collection All right. here in town. Okay. And it's a nice example. Uh-huh. The other was at uh, Louisville Arcade Expo two years ago, perhaps. Okay. So you just don't see it a whole lot. True. I, really, I don't think I've ever played one. To, I, to have, memory. I have only played a few games on yeah. it. Okay. Um, it's a theme thing. I really like the theme. Oh, you do? It seemed okay. like whenever I, when I played it, and again, I just don't have specifics on it. Yeah. Because I, I just don't have memory of it. Yeah. And this yeah, is, this is, this is a perfect example of doing something yet again, I, I said I would never do or almost doing, which is buying a title without really understanding the gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. From a from a game perspective, <laughs> the game is. Be- I didn't get to play it this year. It was at SFGE in prior years. And okay. This deal was made there in Atlanta. Uh-huh. Um, it was there in prior years. I know the owner. I know the machine is tip top. Yeah. Okay. I know how they take care of machines. Yeah. It's a title I've been interested in getting a hold of. Again, it's kind of a theme thing, and the few times I've gotten to play it, I, I do remember. I just, I just enjoyed it. You know, mm-hmm. I can't give you any specifics on it. Yeah, it's, yeah, I understand. It's, it's, it's bordering on like the Ghostbusters, the sight unseen type of a deal. Yeah. If anyone else's opinion is to be believed, it tends to be one of the upper end in terms of beloved Data East games. Okay. So 
I don't think I'm going to go wrong on it. Yeah, we'll we'll see if it lives up to the hype. Yeah, then, huh? I, I'm I'm comfortable with the price. I'm comfortable with the seller. Yeah, I I don't see it really traveling out of the game room. Mm-hmm. Now there was a, and I'll mention it a little later. There was a really nice Baywatch. Mm-hmm. Baywatch I enjoy. Okay, it's got some cool, interesting shots, and I mean it's got the Hoff on it. You can't go wrong with can't, the Hoff. can't go wrong. Yeah, you can't go wrong with him. It, it, it's it's cheesy as the show yeah and there was a really nice one up there and honestly i probably would have brought that game home if i hadn't already started the conversation on the jurassic interesting Park. okay all right so, yeah it, okay fair enough well i i'll be excited to see it land okay and then put put a few plays on it and see what i think about it i'm gonna end up with a day to east row because i got back yeah. to the future i want to have should have the jurassic park yeah i've got a tales from the crypt out in the garage okay uh i've also got a mary shelley's frankenstein out in the garage i'm kind of iffy on that one yeah. i've never really played it i got it got it for a good deal okay like a pseudo project game okay uh so i don't i may end up with a with an accidental day to east road <laughs> yeah yeah for sure well you know here's the thing i mean the good thing about it is if you wind up if it just doesn't have the staying power then there's there's plenty of opportunity to move it on down the line so yeah just have have to see how it goes so that's pretty much what i've been up to and then do you have a couple highlights and we'll just get into the sfge mega doppler update yeah yeah for yeah sure enough we need a we need a rate we need like a sonar sound for that one (laughs) um as as far as my as far as my updates go, Brent, they're they're not really much because number one, we, we haven't really had a lot of time, but uh, you know, in between the show and then recording now. But one thing I will say, and this it was funny because uh, this is something that uh, that Alex uh, Alex Crowley, my my teammate on the Skyskipper project, uh, it's one of the things that he noted uh, as soon as he got to my house is uh, it, it, you know we were we were working we were working on. Um, you know, just working on our agenda for mm-hmm. for what he and I were going to uh, use our time together for to accomplish. You know, what we had to finish up on on the game itself and everything like that. And so, as I'm showing him around the house, uh, we we got downstairs and I swung open the door on the room that you know, kind of like the console room that I'm working on for Grace. And he looked over and he looked over at me and he said, "Mate." you've got to get this done for your little girl. And I'm like, oh, yeah, trust me, I, I know. And he goes, are you going to start working on it as soon as you get home? And I'm like, yeah, buddy, I sure am. So for the time that I've been back, uh, Brent, I've, I've actually spent time working on Grace's room. So, oh, well, that's cool. Yeah, that's so good. so I've put in... Uh, and, and you started that, and I'm sure she understood. It got a little held up because of the, it, the it, run to the finish line on Sky. Yeah, it, it did, it did. And, and, in, and in Whitney's, uh, you know, Grant, Grandest of ways, I you know I tend to run projects, a few projects simultaneously because I'll work on one, then I'm like, okay, I'd, I'll like to work on something else for a little bit, then I'll I'll set one down, then pick up on another, and stuff oh, I got like all that. kinds of stuff you can work on over here. Fair Come enough, on. fair enough, dude. But but th- this one with the console room was one that my daughter just really, really got so excited about, and uh, and honestly, in her excitement about it, made me want to shelve some uh, currently running projects that I had and just say, listen, if she's this excited about this, I'm going to capitalize on it and move her to the very front of the line. Um, but of course the, uh, you know, the, the date and time, uh, deadline on Skyskipper meant that I kind of time shared between her project and Skyskipper. And I will say I worked on her console room the entire time I was working on Skyskipper as well. I would just kind of flip flop back and forth and everything. But, uh, anyway, 
So since coming back, I've pretty much devoted my time to working on on her console room and um, got uh, got the audio system installed in it. And um, I, I monopriced uh, myself a TV mount for the wall to mount the you know to mount the TV that we're gonna that we're gonna be installing in the room. Uh, I got my PVM out and uh, got that got that baby kind of cleaned off and you know getting the cables sorted out on it and getting it ready to you go. You got one so, of the like the tw- 19s or the 20s, I right? Got one of the 19s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure do. One of the larger format. It, yeah. it is because I've got one. like a little eight inch. I think it is in there. It's on my bench. Yeah. 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 And um, and so I got that out and just started kind of working through it a little bit and just uh you know just starting to run all the cables that are necessary to. Uh, you know, to the to the audio amp, so that I can switch between the inputs and make sure that when we're playing the Super Nintendo, the video goes to the right TV, the audio goes to you know the audio routes properly. When I'm playing the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, uh, the video. Are you going to do like composite mods on all that stuff? Or, or cause, okay, you, yeah, yeah. Here, shaking your head over there. Yeah, I, yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah. In, in so the, no in RF the be- modulation. In the best in of radio, I'm shake. I'm sitting here shaking my head, expecting everybody to see that. So. Uh, but the answer to that is yes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do composite out on on my Atari. I'm not gonna, you know, for for a player's Atari, I'm not. I, you know, I've got a couple of heavy sixers. I'm not gonna mod those. I don't want to. I don't want to quote unquote tear those up. So I'll, I've got a. Um, I'll use like a you know like a Vader four switch or something like that. One of the that. uber 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 common made in China. Yeah, yeah, one yeah, of them. exactly. Yeah. So so that nobody has to feel bad about composite modding an Atari twenty six hundred. I, I like I said, I definitely don't want to do my heavy sixers that way. Um, you know, and then like I said, just kind of working on the layout of of the room. And uh, Grace got her switch fired up this past week, and she has been playing that thing non stop and so that's been cool to see her to see her kind of kind of dive into that you know, every time i'm in a in a walmart or something uh-huh. i walk by and, and i still don't see him I, I know i know you know a report that i read uh just today actually earlier today says that uh they're they're going to be part they're going to be inventory constrained through the rest of the year just due to parts shortages as nintendo uses some of the same suppliers as apple does and uh, one of those being Foxconn, and uh, from what I, from what I read, if you are to believe everything you see on the internet, uh, buying a Switch is actually going to be a tough thing to do, even through Christmas. I, I don't of this get year. that. I mean, Nintendo's not a small company. I mean, did they, it, it seems like they've lost their mind in the past decade. Yeah, but here's the thing, and and I, I you know I will say this: I'm sure they have buying power. Not not I don't know how they compare to Apple, but yeah. I, I'm sure they would have at least the, maybe the the wherewithal to not put themselves in a position to be competing with another major electronics company. Well, okay, there is that, but at the same point, uh, when you look at when you look at extremely high quality, you know, electronics manufacturing that, that is very high precision, like the iPhone is, and like the Switch is, and like the Xbox is, and everything else that you know, the PlayStation that we would play. And dude, I, I just get the feeling that the number of suppliers and uh, and you know third parties that can do that work to the degree that these that these you know mega companies like Apple need it done like that list is probably uh, fairly small. Okay, and right now it seems like a lot of that is focused in in China and you know in, in on the eastern side of the world. So because of that. I would say because Apple has such deep pockets, they probably win. Now I don't I don't know what you know Nintendo's cash reserves are. 
uh, I mean, you can look up their market cap, and it's and, you know, and it's it's not apples and yeah. or anything now, like you, that. When you say cash reserves, that makes me think. I mean, there's always the commentary about Apple could just about buy anything at any point in time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so you run into that scenario where it's like, I know they're Nintendo, but do they have? But do they have the monetary reserves? like Apple to where they can pre-buy parts two years out and literally shut down access to a supplier. I don't know. I, Apple, we know, could. And if they chose to do so, they they, they may. You know, but anyway, so I, I digress. But that's what I read. Uh, but I will say this. My daughter, she absolutely loves her Switch, dude. That that thing is a so solid So what you're telling me is run. Apple's the reason... I can't get an NES Classic. I have. Uh, I'm not going to say the NES Classic, <laughs> but I will say that I've I'm read not. that 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 they are that their their suppliers are the same. Some of the same suppliers that Nintendo uses for the Switch, and uh, there you are. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. So, so fair enough. Yeah. So there's that. And then the only other thing I'll mention before we get into the SFG wrap up is uh is you know, Brent necessity is the mother uh, of invention. Okay. And one thing I, I texted you a picture of this while I was working on Skyskipper, and uh, this is kind of a, a throwback to some a project that I started last year when I when I set out to build a board that ended all boards that would be able to run all my monitors for testing, run it, you know, run a switching power supply and everything like that. And, uh, you know, Brent, it's, it's funny because, you know, version one of that, it, it felt good when I, when I finished it, because it's like, okay, here's, here's the, here's my, my board that I've got that has everything on it that I need. Then when I first, when I first started to use it and started to wield it and actually started to need it in projects and everything like that, it's like, this thing's just too darn big and it's just too, it's just too unwieldy. I don't like this like I thought I would like it. And so, uh, so man, I, I actually took my my big beast board and I and I I, I took broke it to the it table out. saw. I took it to the table saw and I made three little beastie boards out of it. Is what I did. But you know, Brent, I, I took it to the table saw and I cut it into thirds. And I, I did right though. I painted and and then I you know I, I put a you know I put a protective uh, you know a clear coat over top of the cut side. So it, it looks as one side looks just about as good as the other side. You know when it comes to that. Oh, you actually you didn't dismount and cut. You cut it and then. And touched up the, you cut it with all the components. No, on no, it. no, 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 no. I dismounted, then cut. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. So I took it apart because I'm like, you know, something. I, you know, I really loved what I did, but I don't love it enough to live with some of the issues I'm finding with it. Okay, and so yeah, so I dismantled it all and took that big board and cut it into thirds, and then retargeted some of the hardware that was on it, and um. I'm just about done with the just about done with the third board, but I've been wor- I've, I've finished the first board and I've been working on the second board and and finished it and I'm working through the third board. But anyway, the way that I've got this cut up now is I've got one board that is dedicated. It's a hundred volt Nintendo Sanyo isolation transformer board. It's all switchable. So then I've got a, just a regular 120 volt ISO board just for running you know everything but a Sanyo monitor. And then the third board is. The 120 volt ISO plus the switcher, the voltage readouts, and the JAMA harness, and everything like that, with you know, with dedicated power switches for everything. So, you know, when it all comes to play, um, it's it's a much better working scenario for me. And at some point, hopefully over the next month or two, I'll I'll update the the bill of material PDF that's sitting on our website right now. 
and uh, and just make it reflect uh, the current status of that project. But uh, I like how I like how they they're they're all very tossable, Brent. Because you know what I did? I put rubber feet on the bottom of the little boards, and so you know you don't like have to push. They they don't push around mm-hmm. and they don't scratch up when they're on the floor or anything like that. Pick them up by the ISO, move them around. It's all works like a champ, man. Cool. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. But anyway. That's uh, that's what I've been working on since coming back from so SFG. So before that. before we jump into the Super Doppler SFGE 2017 update, do you have Facebook open there on your laptop? Uh, no, but I will. Why don't you go ahead and open it up? Because I'm going to send you a message. Oh, and get, get into Messenger. No, it would just it'll yeah. However you want to get a message from yeah, Facebook. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got it. This actually is topical to the show if you're a uh, if you're a long time listener oh this is this is this is awesome and i just wanted you to get this and if possible describe it to our listeners oh yes okay so because this is cool and this this is awesome right (laughs) (laughs) this this is awesome so so what what we've got going on here well Okay. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. Chrome. Chrome just kind of took a dump on me, but it, it's, it's back now. Okay. So what Brent has sent me is <laughs> I'm tweeting this at, at the end of the show. Okay. okay. So this is this is a introduction to Kirk Food. And volume one. So, yeah. Volume one. So it has four pictures here, and this is awesome. So so we've got <laughs> we've got uh, Kirk doing uh, two the same move on both the lizard man okay <laughs> where he was banished to the planet to fight to the death with the, with you know the 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 alien lizard and, I, and Khan is that Khan and then the second one is Khan and it's called <laughs> the double fisted back blow and it's Kirk who's holding his hands like he's getting ready to pray to sweet Jesus okay but instead of getting on bended knee and talking to the Lord what he does is he completely knifes either the lizard man or Khan in the back with his joined <laughs> with his joined hands. So yeah, that would be the double fisted back blow, which is awesome. The, the th- whole graphic is unbelievable. It's got arrows for instructions. Uh, oh yeah, it's got arrows for instructions and it shows you how to execute the blow, okay, which is great. And it even shows you like Kirk's stance where like you can like place your feet to deliver the power on the swing and use the hips. And I everything love the like lizard that. man when it looks like he's in a batting cage. Yeah, it does. It does. And Kirk's scary to take him out. The other one, uh, or the third one is called the drop kick. Or it's the second move, third third uh, picture. It's called the drop kick, and Kirk is literally in the air, flying through the air, and he's put his both of his feet and his hands are landing on the chest of the blue dude with the white hair that has the little antennae coming mm-hmm. out of his forehead. And forgive me, I don't know which each one of these episodes are, are called, which season they Somebody's were. Somebody's having a stroke. Yeah, yeah but, you know, th- there it is. I recognize all these people. Oh, yeah, true. And then uh, the fourth <laughs> graphic in the third move is called the one, it's called the one-two chop. And Kirk, Kirk it looks like he has the G.I. Joe, you know, karate chop action going on with his hands. Like he's got a lever in his back and like some little seven-year-old kid like me is like actuating the, the lever. And he's taking out, you know, a nameless, faceless Klingon is what he's doing. You know, yeah, this is awesome. I, I'll, I'll tweet. I'll tweet this up. I saw so that. This is great. Look, look at his picture between Kirk and Fu. He's got his shirt ripped. He's oh yeah, yeah, his shirt's ripped. And, and man, dude, he's got his hands on his, on, uh, you know, like on on the on his thighs where he's like bent down, like uh, you know, like uh, football like, tackle yep. style or something. And he's like. <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah, Kirk Fu. Almost like he was like possessed by, you know, awesome or something. So Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's solid, dude. I we're definitely gonna gonna post that up. 
You got to have a little Kirk and Picard talk in every episode. This much is true, man. This much is true. All right, Whitney, SFGE. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the layout this year. Um, you know, from a from a layout perspective, the hotel is unbelievable. And what was the? Ho- I am terrible. Was it? A, is it the uh, Waverly? The Waverly. Yeah. The Renaissance Re- Waverly. The Renaissance Waverly. Yes. And it, y- you walk in. Yeah, that would be a Marriott. A Marriott. Property, uh, there, Brent. That's yes. what I was trying to remember. It's yeah. a Marriott property. Yep. You walk in. And it's a huge atrium. You look up, you, the skylights. I think there were 14 floors. They skipped 13. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. With yeah, that. it's always like a, yeah. a somebody, superstition thing. Somebody copped out on that one. So I, I can't remember if it was actually floors 14 and 15 or if it was just 12 and 14. So regardless, it was a, it's about 14 stories. You look up glass ceiling huge skylight so during yeah. the day this huge atrium is just washed in in daylight little sunken bar area where the kind of like the saturday night uh vip type party hangs out for folk for the speakers and and, and that kind of fun stuff and oh yeah it, it's it's nice it's very nice it's very nice nice restaurant right there in the in the lobby coffee place and then toward the back of the lobby and there's pictures of this on the facebook page there's these escalators that go up to what is basically like about the second floor yeah and uh, above that is the huge SFGE banner. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that that and then there's like a video game, like a pinball machine on vertical banners down columns to the right and the left. It's really cool. So you go up and you're on what I guess is the second floor, mm-hmm. and then at that level, straight ahead is this ginormous space that is filled with tables that are used for the board gaming. Exactly, and. It was first introduced last year at SFGE. It was, and yes. it was well received. Uh-huh. And, but this year, it was it just went over the top. I mean, it there did. was there was points in time last year where it was maybe on average a third of the way used. This what year, wasn't the case this year. Oh no, it really it really ramped up this year. I mean, last year was a third of the way, half of the way, yeah. depending on the peak, maybe a little bit more. You know, it yeah. ramped up and came back down. This year, it was wall to wall. I mean, there was always a space if you wanted to play, but there was people everywhere during yes. doing the board gaming. Yeah, there was. And then, then the vendor area kind of flanked that and wrapped around that that um, area where all the board gaming was taking place. Mm-hmm. So if, if you can kind of imagine it, it's it, the vendor tables kind of did like a donut around the whole, around the whole board gaming area yep. before you walked into the play hall itself and in, in, in the main, and in the main hall, I guess. So it, when you were on that floor, the, the conference rooms that ring the floor. So if you were to walk back out, I guess like a, a catwalk balcony type deal that went around that large atrium I mm-hmm. mentioned. Yeah. One side of it, all those conference rooms were used for the various SFGE presentations. Yeah, the breakout rooms. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, actually all the way across the space, there was a larger room that was used for the film festival. Yeah. So there's always festival. a movie running in there at yeah. some you know all through the weekend. Yeah. So once you got into that main space and you looked at the huge expanse, it was all the 
all the tabletop gaming and all that was going on there. And of course, as Whitney mentioned, vendors would ring that space. Mm-hmm. You could work your way around to uh, the gaming hall and registration check-in. And that's where, you know, the SFGE crew would get you checked in, get your credentials, whatever you needed, your passes, your whatevers. And then you could enter the gaming hall. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, you want to hit that one, Whitney, yeah, or you want me to just keep going? No, no, it's fine. I mean, it, you go into the gaming hall, and, I mean, you walk in and off to the right. Uh, definitely rows, the obligatory rows of pinball machines and arcade games, there's no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, but off to the right was where some of the some of the, the more dedicated and I guess like the larger vendor spaces were. Mm-hmm. So you had, um, you had folks... You had Marco. Yeah, you had Marco Pinball. You had Project Pinball. You had uh, the pinball play, you know, Chris Royalty, the pinball plating uh, guy that came up from Nashville. Um, you you just had uh, some folks. You know, there was selling. a local guy over there, too. Oh, there was. The Arcade, R-C-A-D-E. Uh-huh. They do multi-games. They were at Louisville Arcade Expo. Oh, they were there. I did and, not and see them. I didn't realize they were coming up, and I was like... Hey, yeah. what's it, dude, what's going on? Yeah. Um, they actually have done some promos here in town with uh, with some games and some other local businesses. But they make some – everyone's like, multi-game this, multi-game that. They make some really nice they, – they do their own they're, CNC they're, work. Those are nice. And for, from a dollar perspective, yeah, it's uh, – we'll have to put a link in the show notes. Yeah, I'll, I'll, our, I'll, make, I'll, make, I'll make a note It's of that. like R asterisk. C-A-D-E. I'm not sure if actually what their website is. I've got some of their cards. But they were there. Uh, Joel West set up. Uh, you mentioned Chris Royalty. Yeah. Uh, Dan Spolar and his crew, they had a really prime spot right there inside the door. Um, American Pinball was there. They had a Houdini machine setting there. Spooky Pinball was there. They brought a Jetsons down. And yeah. then uh, a game that I'll talk about here in a second. And it, it was just... Kind I, th- of, I think we're going to talk about the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awesome. So that that was your that was kind of like your. I hesitate. I guess the right word might be marquee vendors. Mar- yeah, the marquee yeah. vendors, and that's probably a good way to say it. And then you loop back Pe- people or, that need it more than like an eight foot table. They needed more yeah. than more than a table. Uh, yeah, people that that brought a lot with them is what it exactly. Turned into. Yeah. You loop back around behind them, and then you get into the area where like, uh, where a lot of the driver cabinets were. I, this is the first time, Brent, I've ever seen an, a Ferrari F355 Challenge uh, being brought to a show and set up. I mean, that was one of the that's one of the big tri monitor setups mm-hmm. where you set in it. It's Did you great. get to play that? No, and and I'll tell you what, I regret not playing that because I wanted to play that. I played one at an, at an auction. Okay, and it was. 95 percent functional okay and i really wanted to play that one i just never did make time to yeah get in it. I, I, I lament that i did not get to play it but yeah. every time i walked by it it had three or four people waiting to get in to play it uh but yeah so there was uh whoever brought that please bring it again you know next mm-hmm. year because i would love to try it out and then then you w- continue to walk down that line behind the marquee vendors you know opposite of the marquee vendors and you have you know a line of um I think there was a line of Daytonas, and then some, and then some other driving games that that would be multi-linked together. And I didn't, you know, I did a walkthrough video just to kind of capture everything to go back and, and look at it at a later point in time. But uh, yeah, a lot of drivers were there, and then there were some candy cabs, you know, for playing some of the fighters and the shmups, uh, some some of the Japanese fighters and shmups and Neo Geo games, things like that. Um, and then uh, you know, opposite of the driver row, uh, that kind of puts you back towards the back of the wall. Of 
of the of the uh, space where uh, Mike Critchfield and Joe George were checking everybody in, mm-hmm. and there was uh, just a, a, a world of pinball machines back there. Uh, that back row against that back wall, it yeah. went end to end of that it of did. that ballroom. It really did. I mean, it was end to end, and it was mostly pinball machines running like right up to the point where you're you're perpendicular to the doors when you walk in, and then it shifted over to some videos. But that being said, if, it was still it was still what felt like forty five pinball machines deep. If you think about it, the way they had ended up organizing this, and it didn't occur to me until just now pinballs rant they they would ring the room uh-huh. they with pinballs yeah and then all the video games were, were like in aisles were aisles back to back through the center space yep. is basically what you ended up yep. with yep that's true that's true they had, did you see they had two ddr machines in there i saw that and then they also had the world's biggest pac-man machine oh that, that thing was, was cool it was it was very i didn't cool. get to play that either did you they, get to play that no and and some people were playing galaga on it yep. as well i mean it's it just, pac-man but still it was really neat it was to see it, it was really cool i mean it, it's it's like this multi I forget what they're called, but you'll see them in in like pictures of Times Square, you know, in New York City. They're like a jumbotron. Mm-hmm. May, maybe that would be the closest uh, the closest term I could use to it. But it it was it was like a three by three grid of high high definition LED monitors or LED screens. That now it wasn't LED like. Um uh, I'm, no, I'm thinking LCD with an LED backlight. It wasn't like a TV. No, these no, were no, no, no. These this were individual like, these LEDs. Were like individual LEDs, but they were very small. They were extremely so that, small, right. so that they. So it it was almost like it did pixel mapping or something yeah. like that. You know, pixel mapping from the game to the you know to the LEDs that were that were making the displays. But this was like this was like a LED like a jumbotron made of LED very very small LED strips mm-hmm. is what it was like. Yeah. If I can verbally describe that. But it was cool because it was in a three by three matrix, and it and it you had like the the black separation lines that would still draw everything out to where when you were looking at it, you noticed that that they were separate screens, but it didn't really hamper you considering yeah, all what the screens flow. were showing. It, would all it, it flow. flowed perfectly. It was large, it was neat. Yeah, it was. You know, if it was at the end of a of a huge room up on a wall, you. It would all blend. It would all blend. But it was still, the, the, the LEDs were small enough, and then the way the pedestal was, you were spaced out far enough uh-huh. that the whole thing flowed. Yeah, 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 the whole thing flowed. And you could fit it largely within your field of vision. Yeah. So, so it worked out really well. And, and then that, I think that was a Raw Thrills game. I believe, yeah. I believe you're right. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you, they, they did a good job yeah, with that. Yeah, they did. That was high quality. And uh, and then off to the left-hand side of the room, Brent, as, as you mentioned, were most of the aisles of the of the video games, where the video games, the, the upright arcade games were. Um, and, of course, there's just there was just a litany of classics there. Um, gosh, there was, uh, I'm trying to think, there was a couple of, what, Escape from the Planet of the Robot Monsters, mm-hmm. uh, Atari games, I believe. You know, when I first started collecting, yeah. I I could have bought one of those really very cheaply. I, okay. I, it was an eBay thing, uh-huh. and I think I quit bidding. And of course, that just doesn't mean anything. We've had this conversation. The, the next person bidding could have gone to five hundred dollars or a thousand. Yeah, but I think I quit bidding at like one hundred fifty bucks, huh. and it was a really nice looking machine. Yeah, you know, at yeah. this point, this was thirteen, fourteen years ago. I see. I see. And yeah, I passed that up. But uh, yeah. there was a cloak and dagger. Yeah, there was, and it was newly restored too. It was mm-hmm. it was beautiful. 
Uh, your cloak and dagger. There's a fixed Felix. There was and just you know. Asteroids. I think that was Scott Hales. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I don't Frogger asteroids. There was yeah, a just Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Junior. Uh, uh, Star Wars that stayed up all weekend. Yeah, which is good. Which yep. is good. Bump and jump. There was Warlord's cocktail. War, yeah. There was. I mean. It's tough because you walk through. I mean, there was a narc, there was uh, a Zybots, there was a Burger Time, there were, you know, just, it just, you know, are you going to put on, you know, everything? Are you going to put your walk up video up? Uh, yeah, walk I can. up, walk through walk video. Through video. Yeah, 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 I can, I can. So. And, and I know you've got a bunch of Skyskipper stuff, and we're going to talk about that. Yeah, at the end of the in, show, the end of we're going to put yes. a real nice fat juicy cherry right on the yeah, top yeah. of the cupcake that is this show yes and it's the skyskipper stuff yeah we'll do that uh it but i, I think somewhere along the line you mentioned that because of the the next portion of the skyskipper project it's probably going to be a little later in the year before you get videos up is that a fair it, assessment or well it'll be a couple whitney it, it, is our video editing guru yeah, yeah and it's to and, and I, I freely admit uh it's not a, it's not an inherent skill of mine so because i don't do it enough but um anyway it's it's probably going to take me a couple of months because brent as with as with everything yeah. i timeshare it you know and oh so, yeah so i just I'll, wanted I'll to level set yeah yeah because what people uh, and we love thank you people ask when we mention something yeah uh, they want to know. They want to know. Yeah, they and, do. And, 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 they, we, and they deserve to know. So, yeah. <laughs> Did you have it? We really appreciate that. We do. It we mean, do. It I means mean, that it means it, t- it means a lot to us because people are actually listening and paying attention. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the whole reason did, why we continue to do it. We're just a little slow. You did, know? did you have anybody at the show walk up to you, Whitney, and say something, bring something up? And you had to stop and and say to yourself, why does this person know that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that probably happened to me 15 or 20 times over the course of the weekend. No joke. Right. It's because you and I just got in a stream of consciousness. We mentioned it here. Uh And it it rang home with somebody yeah. and they, they asked us about it. Yes. I know I've said this before. It's like, we have thousands and thousands of friends that we've never, that met. we've never met. So and, cool. and, and I love it. And I don't mind at all sharing everything that we share. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's partially cathartic and it's definitely fun. And it, it has brought us close to a lot of people. But there are times when I'm caught off guard because somebody will bring something up and I'm like, <laughs> how did you know that? How did you know that? And I don't mind that you know that, but I guess I forgot that I talked about yeah. that. You know, and it's not the fact that it's known. It's the fact that I forgot that I talked about it, you know, 17 episodes ago or what, you know, or whatever it may have been. But, uh, but no, it, it's all good. But yeah, it, yeah, I do have a walkthrough video. Um, cool. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll there, get to that. There was a lot of your, uh, I, I hesitate to say, I've said that several times in the show, I hesitate to say, but standard <laughs> titles. Oh, yeah. And there was a lot of unique titles. I mean, there you was. mentioned a lot of the videos on the pinball side. Uh, there was a class of 1812. You don't see one of those very often. Yeah. That's a really cool Gottlieb System 3 game. There was a, a, a hard body because yeah. we all know there will never be another hard body. Yeah. No, never get, another game like hard I, body. I get it. I get it. There was another hard body. There's a hard body. There's a future spa. <laughs> Uh, there was a uh, there was a cactus canyon there. Yeah, I was uh, surprised to see that. Yeah, actually. I was. I was. There was um, the new Houdini was there. Yeah. There was yeah. a couple Rob Zombies. Yep. I'm, it it ran the gambit. It did uh, of of pin games. And, and you know something? Here, here's one thing that I will say. I did get a chance to play Aerosmith, and I think you got a chance to play it as well, didn't I, you? I, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about. 
what I did with an Aerosmith later. Okay. But that didn't sound good. Uh, <laughs> I honestly, I got a little bit of time toward teardown, uh-huh. and I just I played it enough to make it pitch the ball because I wanted to see it throw the ball in the chest. Okay, and that gotcha. was about it. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, I got to play it a few times, and I was pleasantly surprised by just the 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 quote unquote the i guess the the grooviness of that game it was uh the the fit and finish on it was a lot better than i than i i feel like i had expected for the theme okay i so i'll give it to stern they did more with the theme and made more of a game out of that theme than I thought they were going to be able to make. Oh, so, so you got a little playtime on it. So I, I you did. Really got yeah, it. yeah, I did. Yeah, and you know something, I I kind of I kind of dig it. So it's uh, it, I think it's pretty sweet. I love the art. I mean, I just did, love. Did you know the Dar- artwork? Did you know Dirty Donnie was actually at SFGE? You know something, I did not know that until Sunday because I saw him in passing. I walked by him, and I'm like. Whoa, 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 whoa. See, I was would, that dirty, Don? I, I wouldn't and I know had to him do to a double. Him. I had to do a double take. Well, the only reason I knew what he looked like is because I remember seeing him at uh, Louisville Arcade Expo oh, when he okay. was doing his book signings okay. and everything like that. So I've only seen the guy like twice outside of pictures, okay? And and Brent, it, he completely caught me off guard from rec- from a recognition standpoint until I had walked past him, and then my brain kind of post-processes what I just saw. And... um I wasn't going to run back after him and go, hey, Dirty Donnie. You know, I wasn't going to do that because that's just kind of weird. But anyway, <laughs> um, not that it, not, trust me, not that it's above me, but I just wasn't going to do it, okay? So it, it's one of those things where it was like, wow, I didn't realize he was here. Um, had I known that he was here and could have greeted him properly where I didn't seem weirder than I am, uh, I would have complimented him on the work he did on Aerosmith because it's it's beautiful, beautiful. All right, so you we'll have some other details yeah, hopefully on on the rest of the stuff in the game sure. room. Uh, needless to say, there was a lot of wonderful games. Oh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yes. So this brings us to what did we think was the most unique, our favorite game of the show? Now, if if you say what I think you're going to say, I think you and I have the same yeah, answer to this do. question. Okay, does your start with total? Yes, it does. And my, mine ends with Annihilation. Absolutely. So that game was flat freaking awesome. And so what we're talking about yes. is... Total Nuclear Annihilation. Correct. Yes. And that is the design uh, The design of Scott Denisi. Yes. He works for... Oh, um, I've got every pinball company <laughs> in my mind right now, but the right one. Pinball Life. Yes. He works for Terry at Pinball uh-huh. Life. Yeah. And Spooky has announced that they're going to build this game. And yeah, I've heard this show talk, this game talked about on other shows, and I, just before SFGE, I finally heard an interview with Scott, and they talked about actually the gameplay mm-hmm. and what what the the kind of what the goal was and the objective. That game ran his home built game with basically a white wood with sharpie drawn art because it was the game that he built to build it in his yeah. own home yep. that then just took off like wildfire once people started playing it. That was the actual game that he he brought to the show. And there was people lined up to play that. Oh, five deep all the time. All weekend. Yes. And you, and you know, one thing that I will give to that game is it, it's it, 
it, it's a bit of an odd mashup the way that he had it set up because he had it in what an older bally cabinet it's an old bally cabinet yeah, it's an old bally cabinet and with with a matching head and everything like that had the older solid state display you know score score displays in it and everything like that and then smack in the middle was this beautiful beautiful you know modern uh lcd display in it uh, lcd or led display in it and it was running the most killer sound system oh, yeah. of of most any pinball pinball machine that I've heard lately. And it, and I've got to give him credit because he had the code refined to the point on that game where like when you put the ball into play, it, the game wasn't really that loud, and you were just getting you know the the normal you know in play field sounds through the back box speakers and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But then when you started loading up on the reactor then the sub would kick in and then the soundtrack would just amp up accordingly and i'm sitting there I, well, i'm sorry standing there and I, I mean brent i'm i'm standing there and my head's just going back and forth just going yeah man <laughs> while that soundtrack's that. going on and and i it's one of those things where and i'm very very in tune to that and i i was wanting to like buy that game just so that i could listen to it in my game room I loved it. it, it was, I loved it's infectious. It. The, just yes. the soundtrack. Yes, it is. It, there was a, at one point in time, I was standing next to uh, Dan. Help me here, Dan D. Dan DeBoucher. DeBoucher. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I was standing next to Dan. We were chatting, and there was a, a lady playing a Jetsons. It was right next to it. Yeah. And she's playing Jetsons, and she's dancing, kind of moving to the music from Total Nuclear Annihilation. I mean, yes. it's just infectious. It is. It has that Super Mario Brothers kind of infectiousness to it, where. Yep. If you you know if you take that, it's it's a very simple loop, but you never get tired of hearing no. it. And but and if you take it out of the gameplay, you know to play Super Mario Brothers without that music, honestly, Super Mario Brothers wouldn't feel like Super Mario Brothers. You it's know, part it, of the experience. It's part of the experience. And all I can say is the soundtrack for Total Nuclear Annihilation is part of that game, yeah. and it it was awesome. The light show in the game is <laughs> stunning. Sweet. It is sweet. I, I was just trying to work out in my head some of the sweeps, like as you were to as you progressed in the game. Uh-huh. And it, it's not like the game every insert in the game was in a perfect grid. And yeah. from like a programmatic perspective, yeah. you could write it like you're doing some kind of plot. Yeah. yeah. And you're going, you know, a perfect even sweep. Yeah. I mean the inserts were across the play field to match the targets and everything. But when Scott programmed various sweeps and fades and it looked like you literally took something and just wiped right across color, right across the play it field. Was so it, it was just smooth. The transitions were just believable. They, they were great. And the, the gameplay was it, it simple, it's fast, simple, but fast and fun and addictive. Yes. Very. So the short of it is, is if, do you know what the back history on the gate, what you're actually trying to do? Yeah, yeah. As far as destroying those reactors right. and everything, yes. So yeah. you're you're from like 1985, I think it is. And word, someone has, the, the, I, I'm trying to remember the exact specifics, but it, supposedly the setup is is you're from 85, and reverse time travel had been discovered in like 2000 something, and you've currently got forward time travel. And word gets back that in this 2000-something that uh, we're going to destroy ourselves. So what you end up having to do is you have to go to the future 
and blow up the future so they don't blow up the past. Yeah, got it. Got and it. to do that, they've moved away from nuclear power, but the reactors are still there. So you've got to hit those first targets in the lower part of the playfield, start a reactor, hit the scoop, load, load the reactor up, get it ready, hit the scoop, start it, and then get into that upper playfield and keep the ball up there active bouncing around to blow the reactor up and yeah. work your way through. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is if you lose, you lose. And if you win, you lose. Yeah, exactly. Because much, much like Missile Command, at yeah. the end of the game, it's just the end. It's just know? the end. Yeah, and exactly. It, the re, the, you, if you win, you lose. Because if you if you take out, I think it's nine reactors, well, you also take out your, your ability to go back home. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 So no matter what you do, it comes up and it says you lose. You lose. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I, so the thing is, is and Brent, I've I've got no trouble talking about this because my head has been so buried on the arcade side for the past three to six months with Skyskipper. Um, I haven't been on pin side near like I near like what I was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a half a year ago, and so I had to go back over the course of the weekend. And, uh, you know, kind of burrow myself over in a corner and get my tablet out and read up on the pin side thread in order to in order to get the backstory on on this game, because it it caught me totally by surprise. I mean, I, I had never heard of it until I walked in and saw it and listened to it and it started bebopping and going wonder how much this thing's going to cost and then it's then um, I had somebody somebody tell me it's like, oh, dude, go read the thread on pin side. And I'm like. Really? Threat on Pinside? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. And then I went back on Scott's website, and over the course of, of an evening, you know, in 15 or 20-minute bursts, I went back and read his blog, you know, skimmed over his blog and the thread on Pinside. Uh, Scott's quite the accomplished guy. He is. Yes. He's, he is unbelievably nice. Yes. I mean, he's... Yeah, just he's just a great guy. I got yeah, to yeah. Uh, talk with him a few times over the weekend. Oh, good, good. Yeah, I wish I could, I wish I could have met him because his game kicks butt. And if you if you want some more details on this, the next segment we're going to run is a panel discussion that I moderated with the Spooky Crew. So it was Charlie, it was Ben Heck, and it was Scott. Okay, and we we touched on industry things, spooky things. And total nuclear annihilation. Good. So there's well, some details in there. Too. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hearing that because I did not get a chance to attend that. So that's going to be brand new for me. So I'm, uh, I, yeah, I'm anxious to listen to that. That's awesome. All right. The panels that we were involved in. Let's touch on that a little cool. bit. All right. We had the opportunity to sit down with uh, the icons of, how was it? What was the term? Was it icons of video gaming? That, uh, video yeah. gaming or yeah it's billy walter and Joel. yeah no matter no yeah. matter I'll, I'll get it wrong no matter you know yeah. so you, you all everyone's met me right <laughs> uh so it was uh billy mitchell walter day and joel west yes. so we had an opportunity to sit down with billy walter and joel and twice, various twice yeah, actually various combinations of those folks over you know a couple panels and speak with them about you know walter's trading cards and where he's going with that and the recognition that he's trying to bring to individuals and kind of what's going on in billy's world and in joe's world and just general competitive video gaming we yeah. had the opportunity to do that yeah i mentioned the spooky panel which we'll get to listen to here shortly Whitney, what were you involved in? Uh, I mean, I had uh, one panel that uh, that Alex and I set, and it was uh, kind of a deep dive panel into the a behind the scenes uh, look into the Skyskipper project itself. 
Um, there was so that so that's one panel. Uh, we'll have the audio up for that. I am, I've got to admittedly, I've got to rework through that audio mm-hmm. and that video because uh, I just need to make sure. I just need to dot my dot my eyes and cross my t's on that and just make sure that that everything's uh, copacetic on that audio and that video uh, before we you know before we put it on the show. So I'm probably a month or so out on that just to just to give maybe even two just to give everybody, you know, just a, a level set there. And then one panel, Brent, that I was scheduled to moderate, but wound up turning out a little bit different was uh, the gentlemen uh, who are behind the Houdini pinball. And they uh, they actually wound up doing their the panel themselves. So they they had they had their own like Jeopardy style presentation. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and it was cool. And so they they kind of did a reverse Jeopardy with the with the audience, the the folks and that this were American in the panel, pin, the American pinball, yeah, the folks with American pinball. Thank you. And um, and they they asked the you know they presented the questions, got the audience to answer, and then they would build their comments and their their discussions based on that. So I, you know, I showed up to moderate that panel, and they were like, "We got it. Don't worry about it." And I'm like, okay, "Oh, that's cool. That, that's yeah. fine. That's fine." It was kind of neat though. Roger Sharp was sitting in the back row of that <laughs> panel, list, listening to the guys. So uh, that's one that I, I wish we could have recorded, but but did did not get the opportunity to do. So simply because they had their own setup, and that's kind of where that they wanted it a certain way. So it's like, okay, no problem. Now, that and, was that. And I, I got to present my own panel, mm-hmm. and this year I did pretty much standing room only. I will say it. We filled the room yes. and, and i was humbled because we ran over 30 minutes and people stuck with me yeah we I, one person got up and left that i noticed and there was something that had gone on and that person he came up to me later and he was like i am sorry i had to do that and i'm like dude I, it's no problem i appreciate him i was humbled um and what i covered was a soldering tutorial now we have video of this, but I'm not going to put this one up. I'm going to have an okay. offer. I'm, okay. I'm going to have an. And this is why. Okay. Because I've already had a couple people from Twitter asking okay. me where where is it and when is it. Well, maybe we should. We need to look at the video. Okay. Uh-huh. So um, I've got all the video. Do you? I do. And, yes. and here here's why. I, I got great feedback on the panel, uh-huh. but I. My personal feeling was is that it was better in person uh-huh. the way it turned out, and I walked away from it feeling very good about it, but yet I had some ideas to tune it so that I could give it again, and I should have an opportunity to do that here in a few months uh-huh. so that I could give it again, and I could do it in such a way that would turn out better on video and then I could also get a little bit more practical hands-on demo for those in the audience. Well, I, I think what we need to do, and if you're talking about doing it down in Nashville mm-hmm. towards the end of the year, yep. then what we what we need to do is plan just a bit better on a multi-camera angle setup. Okay. Okay. To where uh, to where you can use the webcam that you had, I can set up my video camera tripoded, and then we can record with yet a third camera. And then we could edit it properly and do cutscenes. Okay? okay. 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 So that, I mean, that's really what that content deserves rather than just the video that I've got, which was out of, from out in the audience mm-hmm. level and just kind of 
a, a single just you know a single camera angle but really for what you're doing we we really need to take the time and set it up to where it, it, uh, to where it to where the same content is recorded on three different cameras and then i can put all the cutscenes together yeah. okay and that makes sense and yes so in, it, for people that weren't there i was doing a live soldering demo mm-hmm. and i started with every okay here's a here's the presentation on basic tools on higher end tools things to look for things i've learned tools that i've had that i've upgraded from here to there yeah so there was there was a little bit of it that was powerpoint heavy and i think the whole thing was maybe 23 slides including the slide that said okay now a live demo yeah and then where i was kind of tripping myself up and this was the lesson learned was i was interleaving some conversation uh-huh. with some demo yeah and i had a a webcam a high def webcam pointed down on the table and then i could switch back and forth on the big screen between my presentation and then the camera and all that switching back and forth was just it was a little cumbersome and okay. i think that what i've got some ideas how to how to make that much nicer okay. and how to clean up the presentation. And then, like you said, Whitney, with the way that we were set up for filming, mm-hmm. you were left with kind of an audience view. Yeah, so you could see that screen, but yeah. you couldn't see it. Well, I think, I think what would be really good is, you know, you've got the, you'd have the webcam to, to show to the audience what's going on via a projector. But then mm-hmm. we have a second camera that is filming what the webcam is showing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we have a third camera that is filming you so that we can do a cutscene for when you do a demo. We can cut scene to the camera that's filming what, what, you, what you have going on because we don't want to film what's just being displayed on a screen. Yeah. And then we have then we have a third camera filming you that would be for the cutscenes for when you're talking, mm-hmm. and then you could then we could switch back and forth between demo cam and Brent cam. Yeah, yeah. So, so hey, it's with a Brent, dem- Brent, Brent cam. cam, that's hilarious, <laughs> man. Brent cam. Yeah, I, I promise we'll have no NPR tickers on the bottom of it or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, hey, Brent, it's uh, it's time to switch camera angles, Brent. Camera. Uh, 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 if we check out Brent over on camera two, yeah, he's about ready to. Yeah, he's about ready to uh, burn Brent, himself. Brent with better that watch his finger. Yeah, Brent, that's not a lollipop stick. Brent, that's seven hundred. That's seven hundred degrees, Brent. Yes, yeah, seven hundred degrees. Suddenly, Brent. it smells like burning flesh in here. <laughs> I want bacon. All right, we're switching channels. <laughs> but yeah, I want bacon. But but yeah, that's so, a show title. But yeah. that is a potential. <laughs> I, I want bacon. So um, yeah, uh, I was very happy with the way it turned out. I was very happy with the turnout. Thank you for everyone that had an opportunity to come see it and and who caught me afterwards and, and commented on it. I had folks that were catching me in the game room and it, it was just, it was wonderful. Yeah. Cool. But I mean, it's great. I learned a lot from it and I think I can make it much more, um, uh, I, I can make it better. I can make yeah. it more thorough and I can make it, uh, just easier on the eye in terms of a video. Yeah. Okay. okay? Cause it, it ended up working real well in person. Yeah. Had all a bunch of gear there, a bunch of hands on stuff. And it, again, I think I think after that run through, we can produce it a lot better. Yeah, so, yeah, I would but agree. what I may do, what I'm thinking of doing, is for the next show where we do a tech deep dive, and this is based solely on audience questions. Uh huh. 
I had a lot of giveaways too. If you ever have an opportunity to see us live, we have giveaways. You know, tons. I had yes. uh, David Corrigan, thank you. I had shirts from Grand Ole Game Room Expo. I had uh, stuff from um, the Arcade Guys. I had some of their swag. I had some of Dan Spolar's swag. I had our our etched tokens tied to birds and I was going all Nick Baldridge nip it alert throwing birds with our tokens our swag I had stuff from Eddie Cox I had a bunch of t-shirts from flippers in North Carolina yeah I mean we we loaded up folks yeah Yeah. thank you to all those people so if you have an opportunity you know come come see us but I had people come up and questions that were there and people that came up after a lot of things came to mind and it's probably would be very helpful to give a quick verbal like lessons learned solder yeah, talk I on the would, show. I would love that. I so love that. I, I think that's going to be a, 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 a near future technical deep dive. That sounds like a plan. It sounds like a plan. So, so those are the panels that we were, that we were participating in and, and providing content for. Now, Brent, this is something that you went all in on. Uh, <laughs> this was the silent auction. I love and the it, silent I, auction. And, and I swear to goodness, I did not know that uh, <laughs> that a fish could do so much good. But uh, talk, talk about what you ran around getting everybody to sign, uh, meaning the fish, and uh, and really what, what, what the silent auction was about. And do you know how much that, that particular piece I th- brought? I got a number, but I, I didn't get it officially from the crew, so okay. I don't know if it's 100% accurate. Okay. So for those that don't know, last year, well, let me just start this off with, we don't, Whitney and I don't typically do the standard thing. We kind of do our own thing. We're just <laughs> if you odd. Haven't, if you haven't figured that out. We're just odd. So last year, our donation to the silent auction was a canned ham. Yes. Now the canned ham was signed by many video game luminaries. Uh, it was Bill, a prestigious can. Oh, very prestigious. Yes. It, Billy Mitchell signed it. We'd had Brian Koo sign it. Uh, Joel West signed it. I think there was a couple other signatures on there. I mean, I've slept since then, Whitney. And then we had it in a nice presentation <laughs> box, and it was LED underlit. And it was the the nicest canned ham you had ever seen. That, and, that was. You know, yes. we threw in a little Broken Token swag with it, and it went. all that money went to charity. Yeah. Yeah. This year, I had a mounted fish, a taxidermy fish, and it was a good sized fish, Whitney. It was probably all of what fourteen inches. Yeah. It yeah. was a it was a good size. Now, what fish? I, I don't have a clue. If you look on our page, uh, there should be a there's a picture of the fish up on the Facebook page. Yes. Yes. I carted it around like a madman had a fish in a box on a mission friday to get it signed so i had the entire spooky crew sign it charlie emery signed it uh kt signed it scott denisi of total nuclear annihilation signed it ben heck signed it oh you got ben heck to sign <laughs> ben it? heck signed it that's hilarious i said scott i or it's not scott i said Charlie, let's get Ben to sign. And he said, well, he's right. I said, I've never met him, so just introduce me. And Charlie walked up, handed him a fish, and said, here, sign this. And Ben was like, ah, sign it. That's awesome. Um, Billy Mitchell signed it. Joel West signed it. Walter Day signed it. Okay. And then when, after one of the panels, when I walked Walter and Billy over to the signing table, there sat Roger Sharp. And I said, Roger, I introduced myself. I said, you may know my co-host. He interviewed you at Little Arcade Expo several years ago. He said, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember. I said, 
I have got something in it. If you don't want to sign this, I understand. I said, but every year we try to do something a little off the wall for the auction. And I try to get all the luminaries all to sign it. And he said, okay. And I said, would you sign my fish? And I pulled the fish out of the box and he liked to choked laughing. <laughs> he said, even great. when Fishtails was out, I don't think I ever signed a fish. That's Shh, great. That's signed great. It. That's awesome. So yeah. And it had, so it had Walter, or not Walter, Walter Day did sign it. So it had Roger Sharp's name on it too. Yeah. Yeah. All the folks signed it, stuck a nice broken token sticker on the, on the board that it was yeah. mounted to. And it went in the auction and it went and the number i got was $47 which is for a fish for a mounted fish for a mounted fish for a mounted plastic fish that's okay no it was a real fish oh it was a real no, fish no it was a real time? fish oh okay yeah yeah enough. yeah it was actually I a did not taxidermy fish oh okay oh full on you said that i'm yeah. sorry yes. no it's okay i apologize yeah so it was $47 they didn't have. And that was a number that, that I heard from a friend of the show. So it may have actually gone up more by the time it finally sold. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. So if, if you got the fish, let us know what, yeah. what the, what the final sale price I want to see a picture fish. where that fish is hanging. That's oh yeah. See. We did get a picture of the hand last year. Yeah. I'd love to see a picture of the fish in a game room. <laughs> yeah, that hand was pretty sweet dude, because it was led lit and you know, in like a, a clear, you know, like a, a, a clear box and everything like yeah. that. I mean, you, you had that thing squared. Yeah, I'm looking. I, I need to get another one of those fish because I've got like a little cubby up here on, <laughs> in the game room. Where I could have put that fish. You, you, no one can see this, but where I'm pointing, yeah, that fish would have looked great it's, right it's, there. It, it's perfectly sized for like a marquee and a half, so yeah. a fish would fit really well. Man, I wish. You know how long it took me to find that fish? <laughs> All right. I'm sure there's more so than that was, one, though. That was our auction donation. Yeah. I wanted to give a shout out. We've got a lot of shout outs to give, but um, uh, let me start off with Joe Case over at Laserific. Joe is solid. And where Joe comes into play here is we presented Patrick Preston and Shannon, the co-organizers, the organizers of the show. Right. With uh, a little gift from the Broken Token podcast. And what I had asked Joe to do is he took the logo for the 2017 SFGE mm -hmm. um, um, show. Yeah. And he actually engraved that to, I, I don't know what it, what it, it was acrylic, I guess. Yeah, it was, it was like a laser cut acrylic is what it looked like. Right. And, and Joe, he, uh, if you go to Laserific, we'll put a link in the show notes. Joe makes... A, a lot of mods if you will i don't think i don't know if he has any video game stuff he does a lot of custom toppers for pinball machines mm -hmm. and these are laser cut laser engraved led backlit i mean they are cool yeah they are They're joe neat. joe was kind enough to work with us and he took that logo for us and uh helped us make these gifts to present to the folks at the show yeah. so it was a little token of our appreciation for all the hard work that they put in year round yeah, to was, make that event happen yeah, it was, they're they're solid and they would uh, they'd cycle through the light you know the color spectrum and it was oh it just neat. I, I i showed it to them and they thought it was cool yeah. and then i was like well here's the power oh it turns on oh yeah oh <laughs> it, here's the remote <laughs> and it, you know you could go through and and change all the colors solid colors make yeah. it go all through all kinds of um uh, uh, I was going to say a show, but yeah. it goes through all kinds of modes where it yeah. just fades and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so it was neat. I, it's one of those things. It's like, man, I would like to have one of those. It's, yeah, they are cool. Yeah, they, it was they're, cool. They're cool. So yeah, check out Laserific. Joe does some unbelievably nice work, and he's a great guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we've met Joe face to face on a couple of occasions. He's he's solid. Yeah. 
we're going to hit the skyskipper stuff, like I mentioned. We're, yeah, yeah. I don't want to gloss over that because no, 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 we no, want to really focus on that. We're going to end the show with a nice segment to yeah to wrap that kind up. Of, Did you have anything to throw out real quick? And no, then, no. I think the best thing is you know so many people have asked me you know what happens with skyskipper now and and where you know where's the cabinet at what what does it do now and and how does how does the project kind of wind itself out and so. Uh, yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk all about that at the end because I, I want to cover off, you know, t- Alex's time while he was here, and you know, discuss what we did, you know, leading up to SFG and getting down to SFG, and then everything that just kind of went on behind the scenes. So we'll we'll address that uh, after we hear the spooky panel. Cool. Yeah. So uh, Whitney and I sat down before the show, and we thought of as many people as we could, and we know that we're far this is far from a complete list. And these were people that we had some kind of just like a quick interaction with just in all, in all the people that we got to shake hands with and meet, just some people that we um, wanted to just say, thank you. you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you too. Yeah. And I do have a separate segment of folks that I want to mention specifically for the skyscraper project as well. So there, there's some folks collectively between this segment and, and the skyscraper segment, we'll get everybody thanked, but I just want to make sure that if, if a couple names get left out, just uh, kind of play on through the skyscraper segment. And I'm sure we'll catch the balance. Well, there. I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to leave names yeah, out. Yeah. And, and again, when we go to these shows, it is a humbling experience and we thank it is. every one of our listeners. Yes. Uh, we started off with a couple people that had done um, kind of above and beyond, and you'll understand why here in a second. And then it was like, well, what about this? And what about that? And then and we could have just kept going. Before it got to be midnight, we had to record. Yeah, this much true. You had to hit the red button at some point. We were getting close to just reading all the likes from the Facebook page. Yeah, there there you go. All right, so right off the bat, Mike Martin. So Uh Mike ended up arranging... A nippet. Yes, he did. A and fine, fine a EM game, I must say. Fine example. Uh, and yes. Whitney, you got to play it. What were oh, your impressions of nippet? Oh, I lo- I absolutely loved it. And I'll 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 be very transparent about this. I'm not the biggest EM fan because to me the games just feel a little slow. You know, well, way slow. You know, a bit lumbering and everything like that. But when an EM hits it and drives it home. You cannot duplicate that experience anywhere. And Nippet is a perfect example of, of an EM that is uh, near perfection to me. It was so much fun it, to play. It was. Oh, it was it's, so much you fun get there, to play. We played several games. I know yeah. you were still, you came to the party a little late. A little late, yeah. But it was Mike. I still showed, though, but a little late. Yeah. Mike was there. Sean was there. A few other folks were there. Tim Wall was there. And we were playing four player games and nip it, and it was a blast. It was a blast. Yeah, Jonathan Wild was playing. Jonathan too. was there. Yeah, yeah. You, there, I kept calling it the little mushroom target, but that for, for people that haven't seen the game, it's got the little mini like uh, zipper flipper deals on mm-hmm. lightning flippers rather, and it's got this. It looks like a little mushroom that's kind of right center of the play field, and when you hit that thing, the flippers they zip in and close up. Yes. So you have almost no uh, no gap. No gap. Yeah. But when they're back, you've got this ginormous football gap. field football gap. Football size gap. <laughs> yeah. Now there's a uh there's a high value target kind of mid right, 
But a good clean shot on that target, there's this button-like rollover that <laughs> zip those flippers back open. Yes. So if to go for it's it, risk reward. Is yes, what exactly. It is. Yes, it is. And then the alligator target at the very top, when the ball rolls by, you've got a second button on the right side, and it shoots this wire out to try to grab the ball, and that's like a thousand points. Yeah. Oh, it's it was way fine. Oh yeah, it was way fine. Now, I did, mean, did you pick up that if you got in that little pocket there on the far left? I can't remember what it scored. There was no direct shot into it, but if you happen to trickle into that target down the far left and it would shoot it, you'd score and then it would fire the ball it'd back, fire the ball back up. It, yes. It'd fire it right to the gator. Yes, it would. And yeah, I didn't I notice that. I didn't pick times. up on that till toward the end of the evening. And the intention was, is you could double up because if you captured the ball again with the gator, that it was feeding the gator. Oh, I see. And I, see. I just, yeah. I, I screwed that one up but yeah, no, oh my gosh that game is so much fun so the game, the game is fun there's no doubt about it it, uh, it was great mike arranged that with a buddy of his they put it in the back of uh mike's van and brought it down and we headed over by the booth and then friday or excuse me saturday uh late afternoon early evening we got it all fired up and got it out and playing and we had a ball yeah i wonder if mike wound up buying that because i know the game was for sale i know Mm -hmm. he talked about it i think the i think that the underlying theme was trying to get you to come up off some money and bring it home it was and i had already before the show started i had already started into negotiations on on the Jurassic Park. I see. I see. I mean, it was it was like within probably the first hour or so that I was there that came up, and I kind of wrote it. Yeah. So yeah, I understood. Understood. Well, I'm sure you and Nippet are destined. So I'm sure at some point it'll, awesome it'll, it'll happen. It, it is. It's an awesome game. There's no doubt. And, and the whole time, Nick Baldridge is, is like Nick's ghost is behind me. You want it, Nippet? <laughs> you want it? You want it? it em. So. So Mike Martin, appreciate that, and then kind no, of, he, he did you a solid. There's kind of a, no doubt. Kind of a quick funny story on that. The tilt on that game was uber tight, and at one point in time, I was like, "What happened?" And I thought the game, right as we got it up and running, we got you know the head plugged in because it it was sitting there, it was screwed together, but it wasn't actually physically all can, the while the wiring wasn't connected till that evening when we had a chance to get it going. And I thought maybe there was a fault with the game. And I can't remember who started laughing and pointed to the huge tilt on the head where I'd given it just a little nudge and tilted. Yeah. So part of the craziness now became uh, everyone coaching me into not tilting the thing. I I got you. I got you. So I tilted it several times. And then I got to the point where I had Mike and Sean O'Shea in a three-way text and Apparently the tilt monster stayed with me. I'd walk through the game room and everyone would tilt. Oh, gotcha. and I started texting them as I, um, as I tilted various <laughs> games that I played. Uh, here's one of the texts I sent. I just played a decent uh, game of whirlwind. Tilted out on ball three. True story. <laughs> <laughs> and then apparently uh, that has become a verb. Uh, is it a verb? Yeah. Uh, you you printed out on ball three. <laughs> <laughs> you printed ball three. 
Uh, and then uh, later I tilted in Aerosmith, and I'm sure there was many other games that I tilted that night as well. That's pretty good, man. That's so, pretty good. Thank yeah. you, Mike. Yeah, he did good. Uh, next up, uh, Eddie Cox and his son. Mm-hmm. It yeah. came, came in from Flippers uh, in uh, Grandy, North Carolina, man. So, yeah, Eddie was a big listener to the show, and we, we appreciate getting to see him. He brought some shirts. He brought me a shirt. And just uh, just Eddie's just a great, great guy. He bought, uh, game-wise, he bought a bunch of the Flippers games. Games, all sweet games. He bought a Golden Eye. He bought his personal uh, Revenge from Mars. It, it was just they they had some work ahead of them setting up and tearing down. Yeah, and yeah. all the games were sweet that they brought. Yeah, uh, he brought a uh, uh, a Flintstones. And I, no matter what Jedi mind trick I tried to pull on him, I couldn't get him into a conversation that, that revolved around him selling me that game. <laughs> I mean, is that a title that you're after? You like well, it? Well, I hadn't been. I'd only had really gotten to play it once. And you know, way back in one of the early shows, we interviewed Larry Pavey, who's yeah, a, a, a collector that. in yeah. uh, Indiana, and yeah. he had a Flintstones. Yeah. By the time we got there, and I mentioned Indiana because it was a little bit of a drive, so there was that, and then we sat up, then we recorded, and then we um, uh, got to play a few games. It was so late in the evening, I didn't get much time on the game. So this yeah. was the first time I got to play one, and it's a fun game. Yeah, it is. It is a pretty it cool is. game. I'll give it that. So um, all his games, and then Scott Hale, uh-huh. whom we hadn't got hadn't got to see for a good two years. I can't yeah. remember. Was Scott and his family, were they at... The first SFG the, the or the very, second? No, the very first SFG, okay. yes. So Scott, his mom, Terry, and his dad, Cy. Uh-huh. And Scott had some sweet pinballs. I mentioned that Baywatch earlier. That Baywatch was, that I played, the Baywatch was Scott's. It was beautiful. He, <laughs> this was so cool. There, There is a just this known thing this fear if you've got the the larger dmd display sega games so it's like baywatch batman forever uh there's a people are screaming at me now there's a handful of those again oh uh mary shelley's frankenstein i think one or two others they've got the larger dmd display if those dmds go they're not as common as the standard size dmd that we all know and love and they're about 500 bucks last time Ooh, i looked just wow. for the dmd that's crazy so scott had this game and the dmd was out in it and he got one of the little mr pinball boards that we talked about many a show ago yeah. that takes the data on the dmd on the bus that go into the dmd and pipes it out and converts it to like vga he took an lcd mounted it in place of the large DMD, had made all the... Bra- this looked factory. Mm-hmm. Mounted the Mr. Pinball board. Uh, it has a little Raspberry Pi on it that that it uses for some, I guess, for its compute. Yeah, All that, it looked factory. Mounted it in the Baywatch, and then that was the new DMD replacement. I see. So, And it's all serviceable stuff. You can yeah. get all of that. Yeah. It's just, it was a wonderful solution. So Scott did that. He had a Torpedo Alley. Have you ever played Torpedo Alley? I have not, no. It's an early day to East game. And uh, it's a good time to give a shout out to Eric Stinson from one of the, co- the co-hosts along with Jonathan Young of Arcade Repair Tips. Eric and I didn't get a, much of an opportunity to catch up. I don't think you did either, Whitney, did you? Not, not really, no. 
I did not. I mean, I got to talk to him a little bit, but not not to the extent that I really wanted to. No, Eric is uh, a pretty big into the pinball hobby, and of course, in the video hobby. Check out Arcade Repair Tips. You know, they talk video over there. Yeah, he uh, uh, a pretty much exclusive video. I don't think that they've. I'm not up to speed. I don't think they've moved over into pinball stuff with I, Eric coming on board, no, have they? Not not much, if if any at okay. all. Really, it's I mean they're they're Q and A formatted yep. podcast, so it's mostly like listener questions, and they all tend to revolve around around arcade. But Eric pointed that game. He he caught me. He's like, "Have you ever seen one of those?" And, and strangely enough, it was the third one I'd had hands on in recent time. There was one at Little Arcade Expo. Rec Bar has one, and then. Um, then Scott's it's a it's a fun game the call outs are cool hmm. when you sink one of the ships man it it lets you know yeah. I mean the sound package is, is pretty sweet in it so and Scott had a few other games there that he'd gone through it just just beautiful games so it was good to see uh, kind of meet up with some old friends again and then see how his collection had improved yeah but, that's that's cool yeah and then next up we had uh, Micah Critchfield and Joe George who were running the I guess the game in and the game out uh, section of the room. So they handled all the inload and all the outload. So uh, we didn't get to, or at least I didn't get to talk to, to Micah and George uh, since the prior year mm-hmm. of SFG. So it was good to get to kind of catch up with them. And uh, Micah sat on one of the panels from the prior year's SFG on on developing for Color DMD. And that was a, that was a great panel. And so... Uh, it was neat to. It was just kind of neat to, you know, catch up with her and talk with her. I didn't really get to talk with jo, uh, with Joe that much, but uh, both of them were just great, great, great people. Assets to the hobby, no mm-hmm. doubt. Speaking of assets to the hobby, Dana and Joel Reeves. Yeah, they had in prior years filled the role that Micah and Joe do now. They had done the game room organization. Dana and Joel have moved out of Georgia. Did they go to Colorado? Um, I thought it was Iowa, but was it okay? But the, I could be mistaken. Um, nonetheless, they've moved out of Georgia, and they have just recently uh, completed a documentary on spooky pinball yeah. titled "Things That Go Bump in the Night: mm-hmm. uh, The Spooky Pinball Story." Actually, it looks like there's a maybe a trailer here on Vimeo. I have to grab that for the for, for the, the show, show notes. notes. So, yeah, please do. Uh, just got to just got to talk to them for a very few minutes. It was very nice to see them again since, you know, they no longer live there in town. So, yeah. you know, it's a little bit more of a hurdle for them to make, to jump, to, to make it out to the show. Yeah, they, but they, they did it. So, um, the, the next couple of folks, uh, I'll, I'll kind of bundle these up here, Brent, uh, Casey Relford and his wife, Dolly. So got to, got to meet up with them and talk with them for a bit. And that was awesome. Uh, they're listeners of the show and, uh, Casey's all over Twitter, so we have a lot of fun exchanges. And one thing I do want to make note of: Casey tweeted this afternoon, and let let me grab this brand because this Casey, was, Casey this was has so more. Fu- this was so funny what he did. Casey man. has more froggers than one person should be allowed to have. Oh, that, that's that's awesome. There's like no froggers in this area, and I don't know whether they've all migrated to yeah Casey's house or, or, or what? where, they're, where yeah. they're at or what they're doing. But take a look at this here. Right here, I'm gonna I'm gonna separate my my service book here so so you can you can take a look. Oh, at it's, this. it's visual. You've actually yeah. got to bring it to me. Well, no, I, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hold this up. Are you for, are you gonna? You to un, oh, he's undocking the saucer section. Hold yes, on. Yes, I, I definitely am. This this is awesome. So take a look at this. So Casey 
sends sends out a tweet and um and he he says you're gonna have to zoom that in okay well it's a bunch of empty beer bottles okay but, <laughs> but here's the thing he says broken tongue he says special drinking game just for tonight's episode we take a drink every time you mention sfg okay for recording tonight's episode and then i tweeted him back just a picture that is a pile of like 60 or 70 empty Bud Light <laughs> bottles, okay? So, I mean, Casey's, Casey's just a solid, solid guy. So we, we appreciate him so much and got to meet his wife, Dolly. That was, that was Dolly, awesome as well. Dolly is a trip. I, I want to say they just had an anniversary, and I saw on Facebook, and, and Casey had just unbelievably sweet things to say about Dolly. <laughs> Dolly was like, Casey's okay. <laughs> She's hilarious. He's good enough. Huh? He's, good, those, he's good enough. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. No, Casey. Thanks, man. It was it was great to you know great to spend some time with you and talk with you and everything like that. Uh, next up, um, Daniel Copeland. So Daniel is. Uh, from uh, from right around, I guess the the very bottom of Georgia, the top of Florida, and uh, he's also I interact with Daniel a lot on, on Twitter as well. And and uh, Daniel's just a solid, solid guy. So it was uh, it was great to great to catch up and spend some time with him as well. David Corgan, he was there. Uh, hopefully, get a little audio, have a little audio from him. We need to search back through the old archives here. But he was in with a booth, and he was uh, set up talk, to talk about the Grand Old Game Room Expo that's coming up in November in Nashville. I'm sure it's yeah. going to be a wonderful show uh, unless something crazy happens. It looks like Whitney and I are going to be there. Can't wait. It's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So David was awesome. Uh, he don't, like As I mentioned, he donated some shirts that we were able to give away at my panel. Your panel didn't really lend itself to that. <laughs> no, when, uh, your, no. Your panel was, uh, I didn't get to see it, but when it was, it was just me, I can get up and be crazy and throw stuff. And, and, and you had to be, <laughs> you had to be a little bit more formal <laughs> because yeah, of the audience. Yeah, our, pan, our panel, yeah. uh, our panel was pretty much standing room only as well. And it was, um, everybody was sitting there and they were, they were like, okay, it's a minute past. Let's get started. You know? And it was one yeah. of those scenarios because everybody wanted every single minute that they could have yeah. for yeah. that panel. So there was no, there was no taking breaks and doing giveaways or anything like that. We, we actually, uh, we ran over by a good 15 minutes and people were, were still just trying to shuffle them, you know, mm -hmm. shuffle them out. So anyway, there's that. So yeah, thank you again, Daniel, for the shirts. And, and Eddie, again, thank you. You mean uh, David, David for the shirts. David for the shirts yeah. and Eddie Cox again for the shirts that he brought in from Flippers for me. Yeah. That was, yeah. that was awesome. Yeah. And, and I feel so bad about this. This, he, this is, he's such a nice guy. I, I can tell you because what he was wearing last year, at least on one of the days, because the shirt was really cool. I'd never seen, I've seen, I think I've seen all the arcade shirts, but uh -huh. it was Defender. And <laughs> it was really cool. It was a, it was the Defender. It was just Defender. Yeah. Was it, it like distressed or anything or? I, no, it was, but it was just a, 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 a a game screen from Defender it, oh, and the logo. Okay, 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 yeah. okay yeah. So it was the logo, and it was it wasn't some artist rendering. It was actually the game screen of Defender. And then this year, Saturday, he was wearing one of our shirts, Nathan. He's a solid guy. Then. And, and I can't for the life. Of, and I look. I said, man. I said, I apologize. I said, I, I can't remember your name. I'm terrible with names. He's like, oh, that's all right. And he told me his name, and I forgot summarily forgot his last name <laughs> so you know who we're talking about yes uh nathan solid guy it's great to see you every year thanks 
Oh yeah, and uh, in the next one, uh, for definitely friend of the show, Matt Guard, and and, and God love Matt. Uh, the first thing that I, I did is <laughs> walk up to him. Poor, and, you say that like he's a like he's a sick a wet like he's a wet puppy yeah, out in the rain. No, no, no. It's because I put Matt through the ringer when I was getting my Mad Planets because he oh. was, he was down there helping Mitch and I load my Mad Planets in the back of my Magnum. You remember that whole oh, story? Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and I I walked up and I gave Matt a hug and I'm like, dude, I promise I will never do that to you again because I'm never going to do it to myself again. <laughs> you know, I said that was a one time and one time only. And Matt was like, man, that really, it was really hot that day. And I'm like, yeah, dude, it was really hot that day. And he's like, I didn't think we were ever going to get that thing in the car. I'm like, trust me, it was riding, it was coming home. So, yeah, so so Matt, I, I just lo- love love him to death. And he was, <laughs> he was such a good sport. And uh, yeah, Matt, I promise I'll never do that to you again, buddy. David and his son, Ben Paul. So I didn't get to uh, talk to David much this year. I know neither neither did I. And I felt bad for that because I I felt like I was always on the run. Yeah, we were, it was, this year was fun, but it seemed as if we were on the run more than usual, if that makes sense. But we caught David. He had had actually done a little bit of custom artwork for Spooky that was hung in their booth, and it was it related to total nuclear annihilation. He'd done a little, little, uh, uh, not little, it was a good size uh, panel for them. So, and then Ben and I got to hang out quite a bit. So, I I know at one point in time, I ran over to a there's a, a connected mall to the to the hotel i ran over and got something to eat and ben and i hung out got to walk over and just chat a little bit and catch up so it was good to see ben again yeah and and, i mean i think the world of david david and ben no doubt i mean they're just great great people i just didn't get to i didn't i just i was always i I just always felt like i was due somewhere else every time that i zinged past you know and uh it's just it was just the it was just the the reality of the situation and speaking to ben and going to grab a bite to eat uh, we'll go ahead and mention Daniel at this here as well. Daniel Spolar of Project Pinball. Oh, okay. And, and I assume that it was his daughters. He had a couple ladies with him, uh, younger ladies. So I'm, I'm guessing, hopefully I'm, I'm not stepping out of bounds here, but I think it was his daughters that were working the Project Pinball booth over the weekend. Okay. And when I happened to go over to that restaurant, I grabbed something to, because to, I had to get back, but there was a few minutes waiting and, Daniel was sitting there and I walked up and I said, I think you know who I am. I know, you know, Whitney, we've never met in person. And I just got to sit and he invited me to sit down and yeah, I just, I had, to, I need, great, great he guy. is, a, he's a great guy. Yeah. Project pinballs and awesome, awesome thing to be involved with. You know, he called me this afternoon. Did he call you anything? I hope I know from the time I spent with him, I'm sure whatever he called you was much nicer than what I've called you in my mind in the last 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, did he? I love you too, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, yeah, he did. And we were just talking about, you know, just talking about the, the local uh, placement that we're worried that's kind of been in progress for a while now. Yeah. And, but, uh, but yeah, he's good. He's just such a great, he's a guy. great guy. Such a great, guy. he was just so hospitable. He's like, would you like to sit down and just yeah. feel so friendly? If, if, Support Project Pinball. Yeah, there's just a, such a great organization. 
Yeah, next up, uh, our good buddy Juan Jacino. And Juan, uh, for folks that, that don't know, Juan is the he is the, the the talent in the eye behind all the pictures, the great, great professional grade pictures that you see uh, of the recaps and, and the summaries of, of SFG. I mean, Juan, uh, he walks around with his uh, with his camera and he snaps just the I mean he he snaps the life in in the vision of that show and just brings it out for everybody to see and Juan helped us out with uh, capturing a, a really nice photo set for Skyskipper and everything else as well for a couple magazine articles and um, that, that were requested of us so Juan did us a solid and I just uh, I, I just I love the guy to death he's just he's just good people man mm-hmm. good people I, I didn't get much of a chance to talk to him we we got to pass like one you know give each other a big hug yeah and then we were off to the next thing and because uh he hops around all the panels and gets photos of all the participants all the events he covers all of it yeah so it's he's the hardest working guy there in, in, in some way he does not stop yeah that's true that's true uh brian c I want to mention Brian because. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Brian quite a bit because uh, hang uh, when, when I was when I was hanging out over playing Total Nuclear Annihilation. Brian seemed to be addicted to it. Yes. So yeah. Brian was over there quite a bit. So we got to chat. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he was actually bringing me up to speed a little bit on the game and things he learned. I got you. And <laughs> at one point in the evening, one of these, I think it was Saturday night, right around the corner was two Rob Zombies and Micah had her um uh the other spooky game the, with the ghosts oh, oh uh, 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 America's Most Haunted yeah America's Most so Haunted AMH AMH that was yeah. sitting there and I hadn't played a Rob Zombie since last year I got into a game was playing a game and I started Brian had a pretty good run on it and uh-huh. it, I could tell Brian knew a little bit about it I was like okay well, so what am I doing he slid between the two games during a, a drained ball before I plunged, and he was pointing. And I tell you, he's got skills. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's got he was blowing it up. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> here was the funny part: drain the ball. He goes to slide out. Ball save. I'm like, ball save. Watch your junk. And he he hands up in the air and he slides in. <laughs> and so I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. Lose the ball. All right. He almost makes it out. Gets right up by the button. Ball save. Brian Ball say, watch your jump. He jumps back in between. He's like, I'm never going to get out of here. I'm yeah, stuck between I'm these stuck. two. I, I, I know it ball saved twice. It may have ball saved three times. And uh-huh. he was, I'm not that good of a player. Otherwise, he'd have been stuck in there for a while. <laughs> but no, <laughs> thank you, Brian, for the pointers. And uh, uh, sorry for the uh, call to quick action. Yeah, and Brian, I, I want to give him a, a special shout out as well. I mean, Brian... Uh, you know, for the past several years has brought me beer and I so appreciate <laughs> it. And this year, that's all it takes. Yeah. And truly that's really about all it takes. Uh, the, the cheapness of a date that I am is, uh, that, that does not go uh, unnoticed or, or undocumented for anybody. But anyway, uh, Brian, I, yeah, you know, I, f- I felt bad cause I did not get to really spend much time with him this year because of what was going on with Skyskipper. But Brian, thanks for the beer, dude. So it's, it's greatly appreciated. You know what? Hopefully next year, man, we won't have so much on our plate and we can like visit with people more because I feel like, you know, it's, I feel like we just get caught doing stuff all the time and there's like no time to quote, well, visit. This- this was a double special year with the Skyskipper stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so that dominated a lot of your time. And yeah. some things 
I ended up, which was, which is fine. That's why we, we're double teaming a lot of stuff. I was able to backfill in other areas yeah. for our commitment. Yes, so, yes, I mean, yes. it's, that's just the nature of the beast. It's the nature of the beast. Yeah, for sure. Um, next up, uh, a good friend, Alberto Luna. And so Alberto has, uh, has been very kind enough to, to, uh, to, to make friends with Brent and I, and, uh, we got a chance to see him in Louisville back in March and then down at SFG again, uh, you know, again here in June. So yeah, big shout out to Alberto. He's just a, just a great, great guy. So Tim Wall and I got to hang out quite a bit. I know he was in on the, on the Nippet games. Uh, we chatted quite a bit, uh, traded, uh, maybe a couple little secrets and bounced a couple techie ideas off one another. Yeah. Uh, Tim, uh, for the record, it was not the flipper board. I, I swapped it with a known good one and I still have the problem. Uh-huh. So, uh, the hunt continues, uh-huh. but yeah, Tim, I got to spend some uh, good time with Tim this year. That was his, I mentioned, the the class of eighteen twelve the Gottlob that was his oh, it was I a see, beautiful game yeah yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah if you ever get a chance to play one you don't see I think that's only the second one I've ever seen yeah, it's a so it's, yeah, it's it. worth the time it's yeah. worth the time to play it hmm, yeah okay there's a handful of those those Gottlob system three games they kind of get you know everybody tends on on the pinball side everybody tends to pretty much freak out over anything that's like Williams WPC yeah. And they're still your like your winners and your not so winners, but yeah, they're not loser games. Yeah. And the Gottlob tends to get a bad rap on the a lot of the System Three stuff. And there are, are a couple or quite a few standout titles. Uh, Teed Off is a great game, and I played that. That is, fun. You, and you see quite yeah. a few of those. Yeah. Class of eighteen twelve is a good game. Oh, I'll have to I'll have to look it up and, and look for it because. I've never seen one that I can remember and definitely have mm-hmm. not played it. So anyway, um, next up uh, is a good friend of the show, Jonathan wild. And uh, I'll make, I'll make it sure to have a special mention for Jonathan down in the skyskipper uh, side as well. But yeah, Jonathan was, Jonathan was there. We got to spend some time with him and uh, just, just a solid guy who just, uh, it really came through, uh, you know, to help me out with a couple of things. And so, you know, again, can't thank him enough for that, but yeah. Uh, Dan Dub- Dub- Dan Deboucher. Yes, there you go. He, uh, um, he. If you look in our pictures, you'll see some really. I mean, they're like eight foot tall. There's eight foot tall four sided LED signage that's yeah. out in the middle of the game room floor. He he builds those. He makes those. They are really really cool. He um, he it it had like you know, the SFGE hashtag and, you know, uh, Pac-Man on it. It was fully animated. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, they're just really neat. Those are, those are, uh, of Dan's hands and they're just, it, it's, it's something cool he does for the show. I, does Dan make those for, he makes those available for sale, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. Yeah. He does. If, if anybody is interested in, in, in those and he can make them vertical he can make them horizontal yeah. he can make them different lengths he can i mean i think you got to start making the run dmd clocks uh which which are all which are their own kind of awesome and mm-hmm. then it just really kind of blossomed out from there so yeah so i know there's various size individual panels and the one that he i think he made that eight foot four-sided out of was several panels that are about the size of a standard pinball dmd maybe a little bigger 
I'm sure he can do variations because I, I think there's different default panel sizes and it's however yeah, you want them. If you want them, whatever width within the dimensions of the panels he can get, vertical, horizontal, animated. I mean, they're really, really cool. So, yeah, take a look at our pictures on the Facebook page. It'll be out there. I have a video. I've actually got to go back and look at it on my phone and see how well it turned out and uh, probably need to go and just post that up as well. Oh, did but, you record like all the transitions on it and stuff like that? I don't or? know if I got all of them. Okay. I want to say it's maybe a minute, two minutes long. Okay, well, that's enough so, to give everybody an idea. Yeah, it can show you like different fades and some of the animations that were on there. I want to at least get the Pac-Man stuff and to show some of the movement. But Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, Dan makes those signs, and he's also uh, heavily involved in the show and, and, and the setup side, as I gather. So, you know, uh, along with... Micah and Joe. So yeah. hats off to Dan for all that hard work. Yeah. yeah. And then the spooky, I know you mentioned the spooky oh, crew. Yeah. So I mean, you did the panel discussion with them. It's probably best that you, that you kind of, kind of walk through that. So Charlie and KT and of course, Scott Denisi and Ben Heck and just bringing, uh, you know, we've already talked about total nuclear annihilation and uh, they brought a Jetsons out from what we learned in the panel, the Jetsons, I didn't I didn't get if it was like Jetsons number one, but they they're actually I don't want to give it away in the panel. Uh, uh, excuse me. I don't want to give away everything because it's discussed in the panel. But the short of it is, is they're actually in a position where they're spawning off other businesses and they're able not not themselves. They they're working with people who are starting businesses that are then now supplying them parts. Oh, I see. So, so okay, okay, gotcha. So it's kind of like a germination standpoint. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yes. So like the ramp that was in that Jetsons was one of the early runs of this process that they're they're working with somebody to make ramps. You know, so they're they're starting to get to a point where it's almost kind of self-sustaining, you know, that the, they know their suppliers intimately. And I just wanted to give a shout out to them. It's um, they were able to make it into that show. I'm, I'm sure Jack would have came if Jack had the opportunity. I remember in Louisville, Jack said that the next show that he was going to attend was on the same weekend as three other, as two other shows. And that w- that was the same weekend as SFGE. Yeah, and yeah. he he went. He, he did the fair thing. I think he mentioned in the panel from the he, he from did. Louisville that yes, he, he went to the first show that asked. Yeah, and yeah. it's just not to downplay the other shows. It's just how how timing worked out. Yeah. But you know, the Spooky Crews made a, a appearance there in prior years and brought all their fine wares, and they did this year. And I just wanted to give them a big thanks, especially for uh, signing that fish. That was probably the <laughs> oddest thing that many many people had. Have, have, have they've ever been asked to yeah. do but well dude i tell you what i've looked through the list and i've noticed that uh you you have uh, you've omitted someone very special oh i did yes you did i left off ziggy because when i was gone i left ziggy on patrol here at the house and if you go back here and look in ziggy's little little cabinet yeah there is more of those little soul catcher eggs in there oh yeah now, i don't know if did he some, grow a bunch of them well while we were I, gone? I don't know if while he was on patrol uh-huh How while i was gone killed? if it was people or if it was squirrel souls i'm just gonna i'm gonna i'm just gonna just not even look but i do know that there's quite a few more in there i am so, so hitting that thing with a bat when we're done <laughs> so, dude thank you ziggy yeah. yeah no dude i think uh boo on ziggy <laughs> yay on sean and sharon oh, o'shea oh, okay All that right. <laughs> is who we need to give the proper props oh to. okay All yes right. yes dude last but certainly not least 
great, great friends and friends of the show, Sean and Sharon O'Shea. Uh, Sean and Sharon just helped us so much over the course of the weekend, whether it was from running a camera to <laughs> Sean being uh, actually one of the best daggone tripods I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Uh, and he did all that with an injury. He, and he did all that with a with an injury where he was uh, he was walking around. He had a, he had a, a foot in a sling, and uh, the poor guy was making his way. But uh, he he did it with uh, he did it with gusto, man. And and never never once a crossword. And every time we took a problem to Sean, he's like, "I got you. I, I got you covered, man. It's no big deal." And Sharon was right there. Just I mean, just as wonderful as always. And I, I mean, they're just like the greatest people on the face of planet Earth. So have you? Yeah, Sean and Sharon, thank you. Have you seen the picture? Have you noticed the picture on our Facebook page of Sean and I with the nippet? Yes, yes. I love the picture because the picture, to me, he it, it looks like he is just perfectly posed, and he's got this perfect like I'm going to. Uh, this is my headshot photo for my acting career. And it, it's as if he is saying, hi, I'm Sean O'Shea. <laughs> and and this I'm is sta- why you should hire me. And I'm know? standing here with a nippet and an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> it is an awesome picture. I love oh, it. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and an idiot. A nippet and an idiot. That is a show title right a there. A nippet and an idiot. Yes, yes. Hang on for hang on everybody out there on the As internet. He types. I'm going to type this in because I do not want to lose it. All right, Got so well, it. it's forever emblazoned in show title history. So right there. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to come into the spooky pinball panel from SFGE 2017. So let me let me tell everybody out there. I know that we get pin and we get video. We seem. I think I feel that we're a little pinball heavy this show because we've talked. Uh, about the pinball games that were at SFGE and yeah, some of the pinball and, and vendors. Fa- and what our favorite yeah. stuff was. There's no doubt. We're obviously going to end the show heavy video because we're going to talk uh, some behind the scenes and some detailed stuff on the Skyskipper project. If you're Even if you're a pin person, uh, if you're not, listen, I think you're, you'll get something because oh, yeah. it's always a great conversation oh, yeah. with, the, with the spooky folks and there's some in general industry talk in there as well. I really tried to not touch on all the common stuff that they get asked at all of these shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a little of that in there, the what are you doing now, worst things. But uh, uh, hopefully there's some there's some new and kind of interesting conversation in there for everybody. I'm looking forward to it because, like I say, I mean, I, I've all, I always love to hear what Ben Heck has to say. I mean, I think he's, you know, I, I think he's definitely got a, a good pulse on on what he provides for the, you know, for for the hobby is is part of that, and so. Just an interesting guy as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing hearing how this turns out. All right, so let's slide into the spooky panel. Let's do it. Good afternoon, everybody. My name's Rick Griffith with the uh, Broken Token Classic Arcade Pinball Podcast, and this is the spooky pinball panel. To my right, Charlie Emery. I think everybody knows Charlie. Hey, Charlie. To his right, Ben Heck. Everybody knows Ben. Hey, Ben. And at the far end is Scott Denisi. And for those not familiar with Scott, I'm sure you will be by the end of this panel. 
let me kick this off. Here's the here's the first question that kind of comes to mind, and kind of what we're going to do here is kind of like a just a fireside chat type of a thing. I've got a, a couple questions I'd like to ask the folks, and uh, toward the end we'll have time for questions from the audience. So. Charlie, can you start off and give a little explanation as to where you're at today, what you've got in production, what you've got coming up, and then uh, my mind, in my mind, my little mind, I'd like to roll that into what you've got going on with Scott's game. Okay, where I'm at today is Atlanta. Atlanta, yes, and, sir. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, that's that's a bit. Uh, you know how these microphones works. are really hot. Yeah. Can I do a Lemmy impression? Sure, go ahead. Oh. Anyway. Um, uh, speaking of the audience, I also would like to point out that Mr. Fosma, Code Monkey, for Spooky Pinball, is sitting out here in the blue shirt. And uh, also in the audience is Matt Andrews, who is doing some artwork for Spooky Pinball right now on uh, Mr. Denise's game that you guys have all been enjoying this weekend. So, um, what am I doing now? Yeah, so where, what, where are we what, at today? What games have you got on the line? What's finishing up and what's coming up? Let's, let's go ahead and level set everybody. Right now, we are literally like this week finishing Rob Zombie. All 300 games are done. Um, Dominoes, a little over three quarters of those are complete. Uh, I think we'd wound up with 134 Dominoes units, which is a lot for a corporate pizza game. And... Just hitting the production line right now is another contract gig that we're doing for the pinball company. Uh, Nick and Brooke at the pinball company gave us an opportunity to do the Jetsons pinball for them. And they were looking for a family-friendly, easy-to-understand, simpler layout, you know, easier rules, something that uh, new players and kids and everybody would enjoy. That's in our booth right now. That will be hitting the production line this week. And uh, behind the scenes, I'm hard at work on Alice Cooper. Cabinet art is done, back glass is done, playfield is finalized, all the mechanics are finalized, and the artwork template is in the hands of our artist on that one, Jeff Zornow. So that will be coming hopefully here a little bit later this year. And uh, why don't we pass it over to Mr. Scott Denisi, because I believe in the line of time, he'll be next. Oh, man. No pressure. Scott, you're under the spotlight now. Yeah. So Scott's game, if anyone hasn't had an opportunity to play it, is Total Nuclear Annihilation. Start that. Start off right. Get the nuclear in there. Oh, yeah. You got to have the nuclear. And, and it's uh, it's over in the spooky booth. And Scott, want, give us a rundown on, on what the game is and you know how you play it, what the concept is. Sure thing. Yeah. So um, the game as it sits right now is something that... Uh, I initially just built in my basement in my garage uh, as a homebrew or a custom game builder. Uh, and, you know, I just did it for me. I, I made a list of things to myself that, uh, that made pinball fun, right? I made, you know, it was like five things. Um, and from there, I took it and started saying, how can I get these five things to be accomplished all at the same time in a single pinball machine? And um, what I did was then uh, I, I built this thing uh, and, you know, and it was really fun. And I, I started inviting people over to play it and it really started taking off. Basically, it's a single level play field, which is kind of strange. There's no ramps on it. It, it looks sort of like an old Bally. It's in an old Bally Dolly Parton cabinet, actually, which, uh, you know, I, I had to take my Dolly Parton and put it into forced retirement. But she was very tired. Don't worry. Um <laughs> So I took that, uh, I put the single level play field into it. So when you look at it, if the game is off, it looks like a Bally 
game from the 80s or, you know, one of those solid state ones. So uh, what I did was then I dumped in something that I thought was fun and put in all of the latest and greatest technology into this game. So it is running a P-Rock system. Uh, it has 103 RGB LEDs in it, which are controlling uh, it's all the GI, it's all of the inserts, it's everything on that playfield. And then I put little things in there, you know, you'll see like there's little displays and things underneath the playfield to make it look kind of retro. Um, but since I had all that technology in there, I wanted to make the game uh, just as fun and sort of modern as possible. I went through, you know, and made all the rules and made it fun and, uh, you know, it is what it is today. And that's kind of where it's at. I mean, it, it really... Yeah, it's still the same thing that I built in my garage, but now it's something that Charlie has been, you know, eyeing, and uh, eventually we started talking, and uh, he's falling in love with it. Yeah, he's he's definitely falling in love with it. So I like weird and different games, and the fact that Total Nuclear Annihilation is getting as much love and attention as it is to me is like mind-boggling. Ben and I can tell you how hard of a sell that doing because of basically financial constraints uh america's most haunted had to be an original theme when spooky first started and it was not easy and if you see the documentary thing we talk about that quite a bit how hard it was to get people to accept it um scott's game being a single level which again you know half the the hardcore pinball guys are oh, it's good. how many ramps you got in it none yeah. <laughs> Big fat well, zero. that means it costs three thousand dollars then right no ramps really aren't that expensive to, to see this get kind of embraced is just wild because number one, it's a single level. There's no ramps. Number two, it's an original theme. Number three, it's completely against the grain of what is out there. But I can tell you right now, we've got as much interest in that as we do Alice Cooper. And I think that's absolutely amazing. And you're kind of going the direction that I had in my mind to go to kind of question you all in that it seems as if what's really kind of coming into popularity is, and you've said this before, I've heard you say it on the show and I don't even, your show, and I'm not even sure if this is the right word, a simpler game. You all have got some very deep games and some very involved games, but with Total Nuclear Annihilation and then uh, with the Jetsons, you just mentioned it yourself. It's a little simpler. The corporate game, it's a full spooky build. It's got all the spooky quality, but it's a little simpler game. Am I correct yes. in that statement? Yep. And it, it seems like the acceptance is just through the roof. So, and you've mentioned the ramp multiplier. A $50 ramp is what, $1,000 in perceived value? Oh, yes. Yeah. How is that? playing on your all's mind as it comes to future games. Are you going to run both sides of the track? I can uh, tell can you, you right now, us? Alice Cooper is the most ridiculous thing we've built to date. And when I see Ben's game, it's even more ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we're... I'm a fan of pinball in general. I mean, if you're in my basement, you're going to be playing EMs. You're going to be playing games from the late 70s all the way through the 80s. I've got stuff like Centaur and Fathom, which I was lucky enough to get before it cost $8 million. Uh, I love that stuff. I love like Bonsai Run, quirky, weird things that really have no business existing, but somebody thought this is different let's take a chance yeah, bonsai run started as a garage game yeah exactly the same as what scott did that That's was a pat lawler garage game that he hauled into williams and they saw it and they were impressed and he got a job 
Um, I like all of that, but yeah, Alice Cooper is ridiculous. There's multiple ramps. There's I I don't want to give away too much. No, yeah, but there's a lot obviously. of stuff. There's a lot of toys. There's a lot of interaction. There's also a lot more flow than Rob Zombie had. Um, you know, I wanted Rob Zombie to be brutal and chaotic. And if you're a tournament player, that sucks. That's horrible. You don't want that. If you're a casual pinball guy who wants to take down a tournament player, there's your equalizer. Have fun, enjoy it. So yeah, we are all over the map. And when I see what Ben's doing, it's like <laughs> I've joked about it privately. I don't think I've ever said it publicly, but I'm glad Alice Cooper's coming out before his game because it's I haven't seen anything like it. And it's I don't want to oversell it. We we, we tend to like underpromise. I hope it's good. It's very yeah. interesting to say the least. Speaking of that ramp multiplier, the fifty dollar to a thousand dollar perceived value. Mm-hmm. You are going to be in the spotlight. You're all a manufacturer, and everyone is going to armchair design a game. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've already run into that. Question that, number yeah. one. Charlie, what's your next game? Question number two. I got this idea. What do you think about <laughs> Well, I'm not, I'm not going to ask either, and I have no ideas. So uh, how, do you all, how do you all deal with that? Do you, it, 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 when you go into a design, Ben, for example, yeah. and, and you've got something – planned and someone else has tried it or is trying it on a homebrew and this is a complete fabricated situation and and it it's not received well I mean, do you care or do you just say look this is going to be my game i'll be true to it it's not received well or something else is not received say it's a, a concept maybe you're considering and it's not received well and well maybe i shouldn't try it here because the community doesn't like it oh yeah well um like the game i'm working on now it has like a, a fast loop shot mm-hmm. like alien does I'm just going to leave it in because I don't care. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if that's quite the same. The same situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to stay true to the design that you have in your mind, right? I mean, it's important. You know, I troll Pinside a lot. It's important to see what people are saying, but you can't let them dictate everything you do because otherwise, you have like the Homer Simpson car. Mm-hmm. You know, every every pinball machine would be Elvira and the Muppets uh, fight. Jaws, you know, if the community decided what it was going to be. So. Here's how it works. Ben pays attention to Pinside, and he's like, but Charlie, you're, you're not listening, and these people don't like this. Unless it was Ben's idea, then it's like, ask him. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I'm guessing you're telling me you can't take that to heart. You have to stay true to yourself, and you can't design by committee. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that actually shows out a lot uh, in what we've released now with Total Nuclear Annihilation. We did the back glass reveal on uh, the Dead Flip live stream, and there were a lot of people that really loved it. And then there were a handful of people that just really, really didn't like it. And I was very, first of all, I was confused by that because I, I think it's amazing. I, the most amazing thing I've seen. But uh, so uh, then people started coming back saying, you should do this. You should do that. You mm-hmm. should change this slightly. Like, and just, you know, we have, I'm staying true to what it was, what Matt and I did together. And we are going to leave it as is, you know, I don't care if it's, you know, like something little needs to be, you know, changed or like, oh, that color is weird or something. You know, it's just, we got to stay true to it, really. I, I think what happened was people, you know, it's a blank white wood. Was Sharpie and people were kind of drawing ideas in their mind 
of what they thought it would be. And ultimately it's going to be what you think it should be. Yeah. So that, I think that's where the disconnect comes from. Mm-hmm. So Ben, you're, if I remember correctly, your first foray into pinball design was Bill Paxton pinball, right? That's right. Yep. <laughs> was it? That's when I first met Chuck. And, and th- that's what I wanted to get and into. And it was then that Ben Hick realized he was falling in love. <gasps> what would KT say? <laughs> now I recognize that voice on the Spooky Pinball podcast. It's been Charlie the whole time. <laughs> that's yeah, the running joke. Ben and I joke all the time about behind the music. If you watch the one with Stevie Nicks, it's like every five minutes. And it was then that Stevie realized she was falling in love. Oh, with Don Henley. With uh, <laughs> Mick Fleetwood. And who's that guy from uh, Jimmy Iovine? And who's the other Lindsay guy? Lindsay Buckingham. I can't remember his name. <laughs> we Her haven't found the name yet. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, this isn't about pinball. When I heard, <laughs> when I heard of Bill Paxton's passing, oddly enough, one of the first thoughts that came to mind was you all, because this is Bill. Bill Paxton I, is how you all came together. So yeah, I, I had so many people on Twitter like offer me condolences, like. I think it was my family member or something. I'm like, it's too bad, but I mean, it's not like I'm curled up in a ball crying about <laughs> So were, were you just a fan or did it just yeah, well, strike you as, he's got some cool he's concepts. Been, he's been in a, a wide variety of movies and he had a lot of great quotes from those movies, which made a great eclectic pinball machine, like all these weird things he would say. Um, that's why I liked it. That's why I made a Bill Paxton. Well, I wanted people to say, WTF, why did he make that game? But also I knew the quotes would be funny. Yeah, like no matter how small apart Bill Paxton had. He always had something memorable thrown in there. Mm-hmm. And Ben seriously was like treating it respectfully like this guy is cool. Yeah, even like even though I, he wasn't Tom Cruise, you know. I even put in lines from Streets of Fire, uh, <laughs> what's that, the Next of Kin, like really obscure movies that fish most people never heard of Fish Heads. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. Like the song Fish Heads? Yeah. He, he directed the he directed the music video for the song Fish Heads by Barnes and Barnes. He's in it. He's like eat them up. He's Yum. like 25 years old. He's like super skinny, and that's him. He's like pointing at the fish. And I, he, I know the song, but I don't know the video. Now I'm going to have to go watch yeah, it. Yeah, Google it, and it's uh, it's Bill Paxton taking a fish head on a date, and it's all in there. <laughs> so it's like in so, black and white. Looks like it was I, in I like didn't think we four get millimeters <laughs> or Stevie Nicks. So how did Bill Paxton exactly bring you two together? I knew that there was a tie. Yeah. explain it for us. Well, I took it to the Midwest Gaming Classic, which is our big show up in Wisconsin. And the first year, I took it in 2010, and then I took it again in 2011, and then this uh, this young kid comes up to me, and he's, like, super drunk. Was it Bud? Oh, no. No, no. no. <laughs> I hope a 10-year-old like, wasn't drunk. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he comes up, he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> so he's like, he drags me over, and uh, he has me meet Chuck. He's like, Chuck. This is the guy, and Chuck didn't know who I was, didn't know me from Adam. But then I saw that Chuck had his custom Godzilla game, which I guess you could talk about that. And I saw his custom Godzilla game, and I'm like, oh, wow, he's got access to direct printing. I should be friends with this guy. <laughs> so maybe you should talk about your Godzilla game. it was game. then Ben realized. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and thank, thank you, Ben, because that's Tom kinda... Petty, that's the one. <laughs> Tom Petty, okay. Don't go tearing my heart around. Dragging my Dragon heart my, around. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so you, had, Charlie, you had access to... You could direct print, yes. which allowed you to basically create your play field, and it wasn't uh, 
hand painted or right. It wasn't your traditional. I mean, what like Stern does with their playfields most of the time is like mm-hmm. a four color process, which is the the affordable way to do it. Uh, to get more detail on different color variations, vibrancy, everything, uh, get rid of the huge pixelated dots that you have to get from a traditional screen print. This is my background. I had access to some ridiculously high end, new at the time equipment. And we started experimenting with a way to print a pinball play field yeah. directly. I mean, and, and on Godzilla, it's it still looks pretty good. It's yeah. hanging in there. Yeah. It's I mean, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. It was just basically printing straight on a board, which is terrible. And then didn't uh, the, the lost fan fiction game we made remember that yeah D- that play field that was used to pitch the process to jack Did, uh it can was say that? It, it was <laughs> not used to pitch at that point we'd already pitched it but it was used to test and prove that we could do it right and so the, the game was, sucked but at least the yeah. play field served a purpose but yeah we wound up walking in with a lost play field ben was making a fan game and uh it was so bad he threw it away uh-huh. but he did keep the play field no, I didn't. What'd you do with it? I gave it to someone. Oh, okay. Ben gives everything away. Today, you and I were talking about your play fields earlier and just the brutality that you put them through in testing. Yep. What do you go through to prove your play field, to prove your mechanics so that you know that the game is going to survive, whatever the game may be? I mean, it's been a long, arduous process. Uh, building play fields... I would really like everybody on pin side that like is oh, the play field's dimple and they said to sit down and really try to make one. They are so complicated. Plus it's, they're made out of wood. And they're made out of wood and that steel ball is going to destroy it and there's nothing you can do to stop that completely. I mean, your um, games hold up pretty well though. Yes. Uh, if you go over in the hall right now, there is a Rob Zombie game in there that has over 4,000 plays. It's a location game from Pints and Pixels. When I look at that play field, it's still in pretty darn good shape, and we're really proud of that. Well, people don't realize with the old 90s Williams game is they have so many dimples, it looks flat again. Yeah. It's like the surface of the moon. Yeah. But trust me, if you go back to 92 and you look at an Adams family, there's going to be a lot of dimples. They've just been smoothed over now because it's nothing but dimples. You have that test rig in the closet. Yep. Spooky. What, do you have like over a million hits on it? Like does a jump ball and then comes back and loops? Um, again, my background, uh, we had kind of helped Jersey Jack get some of their stuff. We had made the first direct printed play fields. Uh, for production, got that all smoothed out. It, it needed to get better when we jumped to doing our own stuff. America's Most Haunted were done exactly the same way. They were pretty good, pretty good. By the time we got to Rob Zombie, we really started getting that worked out to the point where when we set up the test rig, we were literally launching air balls. So, I mean, it's not just ball travel, firing it around the playfield. We're launching air balls and beating up inserts and the board as hard as we possibly can. Uh, first... Rob Zombie, or actually it was AMH board that we had tested before Rob Zombie. We got to a little over 500,000 hits before we finally cracked the clear. Um, By the time we were done testing, we were destroying mechs before we were destroying the board. Literally, steel pieces were bending and snapping. It was well over a million air balls and still nothing. No cracks. I mean, yeah, dimples, but no ink, no chipping, no flaking, no anything. And that's a constant fight. Were you dropping those on inserts as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Airball dropping them on inserts, trying to break them. And just you've got to do that stuff. So everyone sees the play field. That's kind of the first thing, at least that jumps to my eye, the layout and the art. Then right behind that is toys. Underlying the toys is the mechanicals. So early on, America's Most Haunted and uh, I guess even in Godzilla, 
and with the Bill Paxton pinball, you all were doing your own mechanicals. So anything that you couldn't take off the shelf, you were having to design in-house. Pretty much. We used a lot of 3D printing. That helped us yeah. a lot. And if you look at AMH, uh, there is a ton of 3D printed parts in that game. There's fewer 3D parts in the modern games because we have more resources. But back right. then, we pretty much had no choice. But it worked. And we ba- still Back then was like two game. years ago, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we started America's Most Haunted over five years ago. Has it yeah. been that long? Yeah, it started oh, yeah. in 2012. Wow. Yeah. It actually started before I quit my day job. He was closer to production than Mike by a long time. Oh, yeah, shot. yeah, because you wanted to make yeah. the pinball zombies from beyond the grave. And, I'm, and when you quit your job, like an idiot, I already had a, me. I, I was already a year into my design. Yeah. Yeah. So we knew he was going to get done way before I ever could. And uh, that's why we ran with AMH first. But I felt bad because when the sales were slow, I'm like, oh, God, did this decision, did I torpedo his company? I actually, I actually felt bad. About I just that. killed this guy's whole family. Yeah, yeah. I, I usually don't have any emotions. Hey, what's for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Culver's. Uh, yeah, but I'm glad it worked out because we had that Texas show where everything took off for us. Yeah, that was huge. And that was a show where you sold out, right? I think you didn't you announce that you were close to the we, end of the run, and yeah, because we were they, were they were selling slowly. I think we got up to like sixty or seventy, and that's when we said let's do a cap of one fifty. Which was Hilton's idea, why snow on Pinside. And uh, so then my joke is it took us a year to sell the first 100, then it took us a week to sell, sell the last 50. They, as soon as we got past 100, bam, they were gone. Yep. And I get, probably announcing a cap has a little to do with that. Well, oh, yeah. Sure. yeah. People little... definitely want uh, rarity, exclusivity. You know, that's they say they don't care, but they care. So the first production game, America's Most Haunted, had a lot of 3D printed parts. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I recall that like maybe was it the gearing for the escalator? I, I believe it was the 3D elevator. printed. The elevator. elevator. Escalator. The elevator. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> was 3D printed. And uh, 3D printed and all, but the... The gear, was it the gearing the, and the... The rack was 3D printed and the pinion was... Uh, laser pet, cut. Pet G, right? Yep. Pet G. Laser cut pet G. So, so we, we laser cut our own gears. <laughs> Designing so, gears is fun. So now, are you able to step forward with more resources and get into, uh, I guess, what everyone would consider c- uh, conventional pinball design, where you're designing in some CAD platform and you're having metal bent and cut? And yeah, like uh, Lucas is getting that metal laser. Right? Yeah, we're actually uh, one of our employees who's like insanely ambitious young man. Uh, we're bringing all our metal lasering. In house now too, or in town. In in town, yeah, that'll be in Benton. Um, we're also uh, another buddy of ours is setting up to vacuum form ramps. Oh, wow. he, went, so, he went into the business incubator unit that you were yeah. in, and he's already outgrown it. Yeah. So Spooky Pinball is creating ancillary industries. All <laughs> within Benton. In Benton. Yep. We're going to be making our own ramps, so we've got plastic ramps. So the very first test we'd ever done is actually in the Jetsons that's out there. So if you look close, it's not perfect, but it's getting the job it's pretty done. pretty good. Yeah. And we'll get that straightened out. Actually, we're already half. Yeah. Like Ben said, you know, 3D parts, AMH. Rob Zombie, they became less and less. There were things that we had to have made in AMH that we had never done before, like scoops. That was kind of all fell on me. I got that made. They weren't the greatest. So now we have the Scott Denisi. Now school. we have the Scott Denisi School of Engineering. He's sitting over at Pinball Life, and because we do a ton of business with Pinball Life, his boss, Mr. Terry Deswart, is like cool enough to go, "Hey, Charlie, if you need engineering help, Scott's right there." So I call Scott, and hey. This oh, kind of sucks. Can yeah, you what, make it better? Yeah, what, what you did with that scoop, actually, was you left it on my desk, and I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, 
<laughs> he was staring at me. I'm did like, he even okay. ask you? Did he just walk by and set it down and just <laughs> yeah, walk I, off? I wish he did do that, but no, we talked about it beforehand. But seriously, though, it was sitting on my desk, and I'm just like, I couldn't, I couldn't look at it anymore. So I, I redrew it the way I thought it should be. It was reinforced. It was, uh, it used optos now. Unfortunately, it's a little bit of a change uh, no. from the switch, but hasn't been a problem, has it, David? It's a good. It's a yeah. It. Absolutely, yep. and it's firing apparently in the exact same location every, every single time. time. Yep. So yeah, you, you sent me a couple of your Scott Denisi scoops for my game. <laughs> I, have, I have a couple parts where it launches the ball like six or seven inches in the air, and I saw your scoop. And I'm like, oh, the ball's like rests like four inches below the table. I hope it has enough oomph to get six inches above. <laughs> and it did. <laughs> Don't worry, Ben. Three, yeah, three like, broken yeah. fluorescent bulbs later. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, like when I, I, I work on my pinball on Thursdays and Fridays at my shop, and uh, every so often like pinballs will go flying off the rotisserie, and they always fly toward Karen, like at her desk. And I, I'm always worried somebody I'm just like, she's going to get you know, like clobbered by one. <laughs> But then she usually just kicks them back across the floor to me. Is this the same the same shop you do your yeah, show like out of? We're, we changed up our schedule, so I film the show three days a week, and then on Thursdays and Fridays I work on my pinball for, for Chuck. Do, do you ever have to go back and look through all the film and try to remember if you left some part out that you shouldn't have to show? Because I've seen a few of your shows, and I've oh, seen actually, like an AMH in the background. Yeah. And um, I'm like, I wonder if he ever I – t- I, told, I told Max, I'm like, you have to make sure when you edit that my game is not revealed because it's under NDA. <laughs> So I actually, I actually have, I actually have link folders on my desktop on my computer at work, and I it just says Playfield and Toys. It doesn't say what the game is because if you accidentally did a screen cap and the even if the initials got leaked, Pinside would figure it out in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, I mean, we definitely make sure that it doesn't show up on camera. And sometimes I I, I will mislead people like I'll label things Meatloaf the pinball experience. <laughs> Wait a second. That was fake. Wait, we're not doing that? That was oh. fake. Oh, man. Dang it. I love the loaf. <laughs> meatloaf. That was like... then that meatloaf realized. <laughs> Jeez. Chuck, so, he took the words right out of my mouth. I, he's took them right out of my mind, actually. <laughs> I bet so, you say that to all the game companies. When do you, Sorry, guys, uh, I apologize when do you all expect... Uh, Scott's game to be ready for production. Hey, Scott. Would you like me to talk about that? I would sure like talk to, about it a little and bit. And whatever he says, increase it by a month. This All way, right. not that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, where we're at right now, uh, I don't want to give away too much, but right now I am working on um, building another machine, which is going to be the production prototype, which will be the machine that will have art on the playfield. It will have cabinet art. It will have everything ready to go, completely wired and playing. And that is the machine that will be sent over to Spooky headquarters for documentation and for uh, BOM assessment. And then from there, then we can go ahead and figure out how fast we can get them done, uh, how how much they're going to cost, obviously. And then, yeah, we should be able to release dates on there. I mean, I don't know any dates, but we're really hoping to get the production line set up by the end of the year so that we can start seeing these things built at the beginning of next year. Spooky Pinball, we have this amazing strategy of we figure out how much the game costs before we announce its price. Yeah. So all the people that keep asking me about price, I just don't know. Like, there's just pull a number out of your butt. Yeah, that's what everyone else does. <laughs> that's a bad idea. It's a very bad idea. But I guess some people think it's like twenty five hundred bucks or something. So nope. I don't know. Well, what's the, the what's the coil count in it? Because you know, looking at the game, playing the game, when you realize everything that, that's going on, it appears simple. 
Mm-hmm. And it is a ball to play, and it's a bear. It can be a bear to play. I mean, it, it brings you back for more oh, and more. Absolutely. But it's not that simple. Yeah, it, it is not a simple game by any means. What I've done is I've hidden everything that looks complicated under the playfield. So uh, things like uh, I, I can go through and tell you what kind of mechs are in it because it's actually surprising. There are uh, 21 individual coils just underneath that playfield, and I'm not counting like flippers twice or anything like that for drivers but like there are 21 coils under there and it's kind of nuts but in the game there are three flippers there are five slingshots these are all individual mechanisms there are three smart drop targets which have the ability to drop themselves or and reset we've got uh, what else we got in that thing it's crazy the scoop oh yeah the two, two there's scoops. two scoops two two of those new scoops yeah and then uh that pop bumper, there's just one pop bumper because that's all you need is one. And I'm proving <laughs> that, I think. <laughs> so I heard a, a comment last night about your game that kind of drove something home, which is I've sat here and watched it all night and I, I haven't seen it mess up. I haven't seen one bug. I haven't seen one situation that yielded a result that we weren't expecting as a player. Mm-hmm. And that brings up code, which seems to be one of the like the three hot ticket items as it comes to pinball you know what's the layout <laughs> you know what's the theme is the code done kind of in my yeah, mind so that's what I, it seems like everyone always kind of yell, yells about in your all's mind will you release a game at what point say 60 percent 50 percent 80 percent do you all even have a goal in mind because I, I know you're all still coding working on some updates for rob zombie oh yes but but yet every spooky game i've played i've not felt as if there was unused areas there was something that wasn't already developed so i mean did you all have a going into a game do you all have in mind what it has to do before it rolls out of the out of the shop i think it's more important that it be stable than necessarily have all of the rules and features implemented gotcha absolutely i mean i I can walk you through where we're at with total nuclear annihilation too i mean uh as it sits right now every single feature is built into the game and it functions and it's not going to look too much different in production than it does now besides the you know bug fixes obviously and the uh animations are going to be redone because um, the animations that are in there are just temporary things that i made i am awful at animation so it's uh you know, we're gonna have david van s redo those and he's gonna do an awesome job at that he's the dot guy from he's, domino's jetsons and rob zombie he is mm-hmm. so talented if you guys want to see a little bit of his work on the high-res display uh on my game there's an attract uh, like a, a title screen and it kind of like swoops in and spells you know total nuclear annihilation and oh, got yeah, the little pinball thing yeah david van s did that for me so it's a little bit of a, a hint of things to come from him yeah he's pretty awesome uh we just had a about a two-week marathon cold session that almost killed poor Fosma. Uh, he didn't scream at us. We're still friends, but we were pretty rough did, on did, him. Did the check clear? Uh, just- okay, cool. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's when everything comes into question. Yeah, the, it, it's tough. Uh, the Rob Zombie code was, was pretty good, and it was pretty stable, mm-hmm. but we feel... With that being our first licensed big game, that it's really important to get that as good as it possibly can be going into Alice Cooper, going into Total Annihilation, going into Ben's game, and show what we're really capable of. And, I mean, even having a full-time programmer 
wasn't an option two years ago. Bringing David in was great. Bringing in David Van Ness to do all our animations is absolutely fantastic. Chuck and I had an argument about the living dead girl making noise. Yeah, well, she's dead. And I'm like, it's her inside voice. And it's a black and white film I'm like, video. I'm like, Chuck, you got to sex this up. It's got to be like Simon. Xenon. <laughs> yeah. So the living dead, dead But then he heard it and he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> ben won. Yeah, I'm That's, like, you know, but it's from a silent film. It's the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. The whole video, she doesn't say anything. I always love it when you have, when there's like a crazy idea like that and everyone's like, That's so dumb. That's so dumb. That's so dumb until they hear it and they're like, Oh. <laughs> Just like when I make Bible adventures, you're going to be like, Wow, that's the no. greatest idea ever. <laughs> Uh, I've heard <laughs> what's what's the behind the Bible adventures because I've heard that mentioned before. Oh, there's yeah. got what's the hook behind Bible adventures? We were work. It was it was like six years ago. We were working on that Lost game that I talked about, mm-hmm. and uh, we went to get lunch. And we went to this place at the theater magic so we could you know play it while we were eating lunch. And we were joking like, what would be the dumbest idea for a pinball thing? And one of the ideas we came up with was Bible adventures. But then. As we started talking about the rules, we realized it was actually an awesome idea. By we, we mean he. It was me, Blue Shirt, and yeah. uh, Jones. Because he went to Catholic school. and Yeah. So, yeah, Chuck thinks I'm kidding. But no, after my current game, I'm going to make it. I don't, you know, <laughs> if you don't want to build it, that's fine. <laughs> but it's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's basically... It's just been kind of a long, ongoing thing back and forth. Like, it has to come up every week. You know, people probably thought I was never going to build a Bill Paxson pinball machine, but I did. But you only got one of those made. That's true. Which is still amazing. I'm going to sell at least three three Bible adventures, maybe four. I think you would probably be surprised how many you would Actually, sell. Actually, I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. I would be. Do you all struggle with pacing your timelines? Because you know, you mentioned that you've had you have a lot of people that are pitching ideas. I'm sure the company already as a whole has ideas, and you know, you've got folks like Scott that are developing games, and that. We need to build that. I mean, that bring that to us. And then, you know, you're kind of fighting with code because you kind of don't want to get, in my mind, I see a lot of companies getting into that situation where they've got more games and they've got horsepower to support that game. And then they kind of orphan things. It's easy. So do you struggle with pacing? It's easier to build a game than it is to program one. Oh, sure. I can yeah. imagine that. And actually, and it's, and it's e- programming is easy. Testing is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But, but with Scott, you brought the game to Spooky, so you did a lot of the work ahead of time. Yeah. So, so it was kind of like the ghost thing. It really was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I'm, honestly, coding the pinball machines is the hardest part, absolutely. I'm just going to reiterate that. it's and, and the testing is so crucial. Um, what we're doing here, at least with my game, and we're bringing it to shows now, it, it's not, obviously, it's in a Whitewood format, but... I'm noticing things. I have a lot of data collection going on in the back end when it gets played, and I can notice things that are not quite right or people aren't quite getting, and I can change that stuff. Uh, and then when the next show comes around, then we can run that whole thing again and see what uh, see what the feedback is on it. So I'm kind of using people at shows as like, I don't know. Oh, these shows yeah, are like, a fantastic way to test games. Yeah, they're kind of doing my job for me, I feel a little <laughs> guilty, but maybe it's okay. Yeah. The hardest part on the production end right now is, again, we're almost done with Rob Zombie. We're almost done with Domino's. Uh, Jetsons is just hitting the line. If we don't have the next game ready, I've it, it's not just Ben and I anymore. There's there's 15 of us on the payroll. and Plus the ancillary companies that you said are starting to spin up. Exactly. But, I mean, the, all those people need to keep working. And if we don't have games on the assembly line, and right now Scott and I are both rushing to get our games done in time to follow up Jetsons 
because it, you cannot have those gaps or those people are standing around doing nothing or you're laying somebody off that it took you a year to train and you well, don't that's want to lose them. Cactus Canyon got built. Exactly. It was just a game to fill the line while they waited for Pinball 2000 to be ready. Yeah. That's why there's only like a thousand of them. So I know they're friends of yours, Charlie. Uh, Steve Ritchie and Dennis Nordman. Mm-hmm. Uh, who wins in a knife fight? Steve Ritchie. Okay, Steve Ritchie. That's not it. Uh, you could put Steve up against Schwarzenegger, Stallone. Ritchie wins it. Yeah, he's taking them all out. I got you. Okay. Ben, we've mentioned Meatloaf, and I know that there's some fascination with Roadhouse. Oh, Roadhouse is, is there, an American classic film. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Is there any Roadhouse or Meatloaf or any other references hidden in your games? <laughs> Rob Zombie. That, that maybe we haven't found yet. Here, here's my here's my Roadhouse story. Um, we are backstage with Rob Zombie disturbed and pop evil in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, setting up a game. And Rob's like, hey, we got a meet and greet. Why don't you roll the game in there? And everybody can take pictures with the band and, and uh, the pinball machine in the background. I'm like, wow, that's cool. We'll do that. So he's standing there and there's like a hundred people in line just shaking, waiting to meet Rob and, you know, and the whole band is standing there and there's a family in the thing, kids, mom, dad, everybody. And, uh, the game is in the background playing noises and he hears something and he's like, I don't remember even saying that. And I'm like, Rob, do you know that there's three lines from Roadhouse in your game? And all Piggy D, John Five, and Ginger Fish all start like on the ground laughing their heads off. So apparently they were into Roadhouse too. And Rob is standing, who's a pretty serious guy, is just laughing and shaking his head. And he's like, Yeah, that's the last script I just read. I'm surprised he said it. Yeah, it, I mean, uh, but they all thought it was hilarious. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of yeah, there's there's that inside joke, and then uh, uh, one of the ball drain quotes is "You're no lion, man." Yep. And Rob then, Zombie is literally in that game. You're no lion, man. And then <laughs> it was tails. So I guess. Oh, and then uh, on the skill shot, if you get two out of three, he's like two out of three. That, that ain't, ain't bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Oh, yeah, yeah, from Sid Haig. Yeah, we've got Captain Spaulding, a.k.a. Sid Haig. Ben Heck, what kind of stupid name is that? <laughs> oh, I, fig- I did figure out how to work a roadhouse line into Bible Adventures. How's that? When Goliath sees David, he says, I thought you'd be bigger. Oh. <laughs> and please understand, Ben is being completely respectful when he starts talking about Bible Adventures. He, it's straight. There's no comedy. Well, it's going to be like, it's, it's going to be badass. Yeah. But it's going to be like Cecil B. DeMille action. These yeah. stories and the early testament yeah lots of explosions and things falling over walls of jericho getting violence and like the job one of an ass it's gonna be great but i gotta do my other game first (laughs) (laughs) so uh you've done some really cool things as part of spooky pinball and you just mentioned you know rob zombie Mm -hmm. and one of the things that you've gotten to uh take part in recently that kind of piqued my interest was a visit to nasa yeah. How did you make that tie? How, was it a fan? Is it? It was. How did you end up there? It was uh, sure. Blake Doomsnill actually. Um, Domino's ran a contest, and they. It was funny because they got ripped to shreds for. Oh, you're trying to put artists out of work and give away free pizza for pinball. No, they wanted ideas and submissions, and the guy that actually won it was Blake Doomsnill, who does a bunch of work for NASA, and he got hired to do the cabinet artwork on Domino's Spectacular Pinball Adventure, which was really, really cool. And uh, we were going to the Texas Pinball Festival, and 
Blake, who's got this wonderful accent, is y'all need to come down and see NASA in Houston. And we was just hey, I'm not far from that. <laughs> yeah, <Well. laughs> I think he's got you beat. So anyway, yeah, Blake uh, gets us access, and I mean, it's like a personal tour with him and one of the guys that was in the original. He was in the room when they they did the moon landing, and he was telling us all about everything and anything. And we're just getting to see all this cool stuff and behind the scenes things and. And, uh, oh, look, hey, we're looking at these experimental Mars rovers, and out pops Adam Savage for Mythbusters. And we're like, all right, Blake, how'd you do that? And he's like, oh, I swear. I it was just awesome. We are so jealous over here. Yeah, we weren't allowed to yeah. go. Uh, we tried to get well. To I, I'm trying to let us all live vicariously through the wonderful adventures of Charlie. Maybe that should be a game. <laughs> I just it, remember Bug standing there, and he's like, I love you, Dad. <laughs> I just, he's like, I could be in school right now, and I'm meeting two astronauts and Adam Savage. This is so cool. And to me, that's what that makes it just awesome. That's awesome. So let me turn to the uh, the crowd as we are kind of coming to the, to the end of the hour. Does anyone out there have any questions for Charlie, Ben, or Scott? Sir? Charlie, I Now, let me repeat that because I'm we're actually recording this. So I, the question was, is Charlie has a huge uh, pinball collection. Oh, ben, huge, do you? It's nice. I only own one game at the moment. And it's Space, Space Shuttles. Shuttles. Oh, NASA. You don't have you don't have an America's Most Haunted? Nope. Or Chuck a, tried to give me one. I'm like, I don't want to see that thing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. I'm glad it has a good home. Was it like was it like a rocky divorce? Was it fun while it lasted, and then toward the it's end, it's like a divorce, and like, you don't want to see the photos laying around your house anymore. I got you. How many do you have? Oh man, I've got divorces. A, oh, divorces. Divorces. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got about ten machines at home. They're uh, they're almost all System Eleven machines. I am uh, I am a child of the eighties, unfortunately. Or fortunately. Do you have Swords of Fury? I don't I don't have Swords uh, of Fury. I do. So I what do. the problem Lion so Man. the problem with Swords of Fury is it's a great game. And then we started that Lion Man thread and then the price went way up and now I can't afford it. So <laughs> and the, you know, hey Scott, I had one months. I mean, just months before it went crazy and I traded it off. Yeah. And because it, the price yeah. probably went up like crazy because Lion Man. Yeah. Oh, well. I have one, and it, it will never leave. I, I've got like 30-some games. Everything from uh, Target Alpha, I think, is my oldest. Uh, no, actually, I have a 1956 Classy Bowler Gottlieb in my dining room because my wife's awesome and lets me put a pinball in the dining room. Um, but, yeah, I love everything. I love uh, my newest game, I think, is ACDC because when Spooky started, I stopped buying games. I, it wasn't there. But then you're like, I'm going to splurge. And you yeah. have like by the pinball refinery limited edition number one. I, uh, it's beautiful. Here's exactly how that came to be. It's the, the nicest game I've ever owned. It's absolutely stunningly gorgeous. I got it for a stupidly ridiculous cheap price because a friend of mine who uh, owns a tattoo parlor in Minnesota and is a huge Rob Zombie nut, he caught wind of what we're doing and he's like, you don't have to tell me, Charlie. You're doing Rob Zombie. And I was looking for an ACDC like pro just because I wanted something to do a little research on. I love the rules in that game. I love the, you know, just it's a great music pin. And with me doing a music pin, I thought I need that. Um, and he's like, if, if you're if you're really doing Rob Zombie, 
hand me $6,000 right now and you can have my ACDC pinball refinery beautiful game. I mean, what had to be worth. You got that for six grand? Yeah. Oh, man. And, and now, I'm now like, all right, rubbing, Todd, I'm not telling you, but now, my now wife says I can give you this now. check. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, yes, yes. But And then he got a great deal on a Rob Zombie so for helping me out. Uh, any other questions? In the back, Dana? So the question is, is what do you have to change on total nuclear annihilation? I'll spit that word out eventually. I've only screwed it up every time to put it into production. Okay, so not too much, actually. What's interesting, though, is the ballet displays that are on there, those LED displays. We're going to use a custom-built serial display instead of that. Those pin score displays that are in there now use an old, you know, ballet protocol, which is really, you know, overkill for what it needs to be. So we're probably going to redo those. Those will be changed. The position of those will be changed. The cabinet is significantly different than the cabinet that is... That, uh, that the game is in right now, the proof of concept game. The cabinet will look like a Jetsons cabinet, but what I've done is I've taken the glass angle and slammed it way down so it's level with the play field. So it looks like an old school game with that single level feel, but still has the hinged back box for easy transport. Uh, it has the LCD like right front and center. Uh, and then the standard size back glass with the uh, with, we'll have cutouts for the uh, score displays. Yeah, that old Dolly Parton cabinet was just way too top heavy. Dead <laughs> <laughs> Dutch. Nice one. <laughs> Doesn't fit through doorways. Uh, Al. So are you going to be changing out the rest of the hardware? Yeah. So it needs to stay on P Rock. Yes. Well, so uh, so yeah. The question was if I'm changing out the uh, the hardware at all. Um, Currently, the hardware is uh, the P-Rock platform, and we are not planning on changing that whatsoever. We're going to build it as is, as I've made it, and uh, just it would be pretty crazy to have to re-engineer everything electrically. And, and reprogram code. It. Yeah, I mean, rewriting all that code from scratch would be a nightmare. The time yeah. that would take would yeah. be more than what you'd save switching yeah. the boards. Yeah, absolutely. And Jerry's a great guy at Multimorphic, and we've talked to him several times and, and it's kind of a cool thing that we actually get to work together again we've done some plastics and stuff for his p3 platform and uh worked together on little things in the past we've done some translates for lexi Lightspeed and everything and i love it when the small companies can get together and work like that i think that's fantastic and that's the way it should be everybody everybody gets better exactly exactly i mean this is a very small world we know half the people in this audience you guys all know us and and you know, it, we're bumping into each other constantly. Why not work together? And you know, if we have strengths we can do, and Jerry has strengths that he can do, put them together and make a better game. Any other questions, yes, sir? I'd like to follow up on Al's question. Uh, I own America's Most Wanted number nine, and I also uh, we're sorry. I've done some customization to it. I really like the game. I enjoy it. I also worked on Bill Pax's Pinball Avoid. I actually picked it. Oh, cool. Uh, had a display issue, so I actually... Oh, those crappy shift registers I used? Yeah. <laughs> I should re- I should just rebuild that for yeah, him. Yeah, I, I told him I was going to rebuild it for him. And he's Does the can, the crushing can still work? I don't remember. He was having some other weird lock issues. I'm surprised it still is in one piece. As I, mean, I would have thought it would have... I mean, because it was so sloppily assembled. We took the displays out and we fixed the display on, the, on his bench, so mm. I told him to rebuild it for him. If you want to bring it down to the show, Orlando... Thought about it. 
But my question is, is on your next game, is it Ellie still running the Pen Hex system, or are you mine? That's it's probably going to. We're still making some decisions about that, but uh, on Ben's game or Alice Cooper or what are you talking? The next game after the one that he's working. The one Ben's game. Yeah, I mean the intent is that we've got a lot of time and energy, and and it, it's all a team and friends effort. It's Ben, it's Parker, it's myself, it's Fosma. I mean, we've all worked on this stuff together. Well, we're going to beef it up. Yeah, but we are making some changes and beefing it up. And it was really cool when like Rob Zombie came out and had a color display and it was the first production game to have a color DMD right in it. And five minutes later, Stern's like, yeah, here's an LCD that's high def. And we're like, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and uh, I mean, it was a natural evolution. Jetsons went to a taller display, which we couldn't. I mean, it's technically the same size display that's in yeah, Rob we Zombie. Hacked the hardware, but to make we it couldn't work with drive the, same of RAM. the full height. Uh, ben and Parker found a way to do that with some help from uh, Chris Roy Kraft Eastland, and no, yeah. Roy from uh, oh, a programmer yeah, Roy. friend of ours yeah. from the game industry. Um, so anyway, yeah, we got that worked out, and then with a little bit of luck and testing, Ellis will be HD on that same size screen, and then Ben's game will be the whole everything. I'd like to make my game with red dots, but he won't let me. <laughs> no, I don't want to go backwards. <laughs> Those cost more. Those hurt my eyes. Well, the ironic part is the LCD screen is a lot cheaper than the dot yeah. matrix display, yeah. but then you spend more on the high-def art. So that's um, for new. Yeah, yeah, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so any other questions? We have time for one more if anyone has any. All right. Well, I do have one other question. Based on the events of the weekend, when can we expect to see video of the spooky pinball wrestling ring in action? Because, <laughs> you know, Scott and I, we had a little conversation. I think Scott's really up for it. He might be a ringer. You think so? I don't know, man. I might be able to do a front flip if I really tried. <laughs> Just one. Just one. Oh, he, he, his, his character could be Lion Man. <laughs> could be. I don't know, man. I I'm, not, I admit. I'm not Lion Man. All right, folks. We appreciate it. Thank you for coming out and checking out the seminar. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm standing here with David Corrigan of the Grand Ole Game Room Expo uh, out of Nashville, Tennessee. How you doing, David? Pretty good, man. So how's the show going for you? It's been busy. I oh, got a table over there. Uh, yeah, people. It's been nonstop. And so you have got stuff out here for Grand Ole Game Room Expo. And uh, then you've also, you're a little bit of a vendor, I guess. I mean, what, do you, what, do you, what kind of wares do you have? Yeah, there? so I'm trying my hand at being a vendor. I've got uh, Pokemon plush toys, oh, and I know some of your favorite things are fidget spinners. Oh, yeah, oh, I yeah. I've got a couple of if those. If anybody has ever seen me in person, my hands are all over the place, and I fidget like mad. So, yeah, I probably, <laughs> I, I'm afraid to pick one of them up, David, because it's one of those things, like, I might like it, and then I won't be able to get rid of it. Oh, you'll like it, yeah, oh, listen, and then you'll be mocked. Listen, yeah. he's like... Here, I'll give you one, and then I'll sell you 50. That's, right. <laughs> That's how it works, right, David? That's right. Let everybody know, when is your show? So November 10th through 12th. And it's down in Nashville, Nashville Tennessee? Nashville, Tennessee, right outside in Franklin, actually. But, yeah, uh, the Franklin Marriott Cool Springs, same place we had it last year. It's an awesome venue. I know we've talked about it on the show before. They had just recently remodeled. Yep. It's a beautiful hotel. The rooms were unbelievable, and it's all right there in one location. You can walk down the hallway, go up the uh, elevator to your room, hang out. There's food close by, and then come right back down. And uh, did you, did you do the game room open 24 hours? Last yeah, we year? did. We did 24 hours last year. Because I thought I remember going down there. 
darn late sneaking in some games. Yeah. So this year we're going to be open till 3 a.m. Okay. Oh, you're just going to cut it back till 3. We're going to cut it back a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it died down about 5, five in the morning. People were still playing air hockey last year, 5 in the morning. <laughs> oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> the noisiest thing there, people were still playing. Yeah, and... Uh, Hey, you know, that's that's what we wanted. We wanted people to get, get their fill, basically. You know what you need to get? You should steal an idea from Southern Fried here and get a couple of those big Jenga setups. Have you seen those where they're cut out of two by yeah, fours? Yeah, you could do that. They've actually got one out in the atrium, and when it falls, it echoes through the atrium. It scares the crap out of you. <laughs> But, no, they're always played, so that might be a kind of a cool thing it's to true. have. Kind That's of a lot cheaper about. than another pinball machine. It, this is so. true. This is true. I know uh, Whitney and I are planning to go down. Do you know off the top of your head, of course, November is, what is that, the second weekend? So is that the weekend before Thanksgiving? or? I think it's two weeks. It's two weeks before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Okay. So Friday through Sunday. Right. And... I'm sure you're in tune with the local crowd. Are you anticipating having the same kind of turnout in terms of games? Because you had some stellar games last year. Yeah, well, I'm hoping for a lot more because this year I'm giving away an Aerosmith Pro okay. as, right. as the incentive to bring a game out. So okay. every, every machine you bring, arcade or pinball, not consoles. Don't bring a Sega Genesis yep. and expect <laughs> to win Aerosmith. That makes sense. But, um, yeah, so we're giving away uh, that, and it's only the people that bring games to get entered, so your odds are pretty good. Oh, yeah. And I cap it off at 15, so even if we get a big local guy who brings out, like, 30 machines, they're only getting 15 entries. Oh, oh that's, so great. Kind that's of, good. Kind of even it out just a little bit more. Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And, I, and I'm sure everybody understands that, especially yeah. if you're local and it's easy for you to bring a ton of games versus someone coming in from out of state. And it's a little bit more difficult. I know I've got a game that I've actually held on to specifically to bring to Expos because it's nice and small. And I've mm. got it. Hopefully, I should still have it. I don't it's, see a reason why I won't It's not the clown, is it? No, because, okay. it's not Ziggy. Okay. Ziggy, and now, if you want, I can bring Ziggy. I Ziggy don't, likes I don't a good road trip. Like, I'd almost <laughs> like to, but I'm not sure. <laughs> it might be like a bad omen. <laughs> like, I don't know how it's going to turn Ziggy, out. Ziggy, are you a Monty Python fan? Yeah. See, most people I, I mean, find, okay, not super fan. So. Oh, well, you are probably outside of the norm of what I've found. Okay. I tend to find you're either a fan or you don't care and you just don't like it at all. I've never really found an in-between. Uh, you know, I used to like, I used to watch Flying Circus and stuff like that, okay, too. Okay. Well, so, I mean, so it, okay. I can't quote it. I'm not going to quote the movies. All right. All well, you're, you're the rare in-between. Okay. And you completely ruined my analogy, <laughs> which was... <laughs> I see Ziggy. That's what I do. That's, well, That's what I, I there's, there's things in life that I wreck constantly, ask Whitney. Uh, there's there's people that like Ziggy, and there's people that hate Ziggy. I've not found any in between. Yeah. I, you know, Ziggy may just have to make an appearance. But, no, I've got a packed Mini. And oh, it, yeah. it's nice and easy to tuck right into a vehicle, and it's it's easy to move and transport, especially if you're doing a long trip. So I've got a little cubby in the game room that it's in, and I've wanted to hold on to it for that little cubby and so that I can take it to shows. So, nice. You know, hopefully it'll make an appearance down in Nashville this year. Well, you've got a big trailer, right? Now, I do have a big enclosed trailer, I do, but it's not set up to haul games. And I mentioned on the show, I'll probably get into this, where I was looking to get a trailer while I was here in, in Atlanta, oh. and it ended up falling through. Okay. So, Whitney's got an enclosed trailer, and then I've got some smaller open trailers. The downside with the open trailer is the weather. Yeah, I'm not I'm not big on taking a chance with the, yeah. with the weather anymore. You know, I've uh, done my share of tarping something and having it 
beat your truck the whole way, yep. and uh, I'm kind of done with that. Yeah, I, and I, I'm with com- you. I completely understand. So, but anyway, David, we'll see you down in Nashville. I hope awesome. everybody comes down. So again, what was the dates? One more time. November 10th through 12th. And then what's your website? Grand Ole Expo. O L E. O L E Expo. Yeah, okay. if you if you go O L D, I redirect it. So oh, okay. yeah, I register both. Okay, cool. So Grand yeah. Ole O L E or Old O L D Expo. Right. Sweet. I mean, appreciate it. Cool. Thanks. From the floor of the 2016 Southern Fried Game Room Expo, the Broken Token Podcast is talking to Matt Gard and Mike Martin. Mike Martin. I had it earlier, and you know what went through my mind, don't you? What? Eddie Cox. Oh gosh. <laughs> Have you not heard that story, Mike? Oh no, I know the story. Oh my god. We used to joke. Eddie and I used to just. We oh, send each other texts. Do you know what it? we're talking I, about, I, Matt? No, I don't. I, so I admitted on the show at one point in time, and this may have been after now, one. Now, Ed's about this tall. Yeah, Ed, <laughs> Eddie is much taller. Mike is taller than me. You're taller than me. Eddie is taller than all of us. And for some reason, I could not figure out which one was Eddie and which one was Mike. And what it come down to was one day I was talking to Eddie, and I called him Mike, and he was so polite and so about it. He just said, I'm Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> did did I ever call you Eddie? I don't remember. I may have. You I, never know. You I, never. I just take those. Well, they won't do it again. Roll. I won't do it again. So, what do you think of the show? Oh, it's fantastic time? this year. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's fun meeting, actually getting to see all the the friends that we have in the arcade hobby here. And, I, I, uh, well, I know Whitney and I. We interact with everybody through email, and yeah. Facebook, and yeah. on on our Facebook page, but. You don't really get to see everybody, yeah. but at these shows. So this is the time of year I get to see my friends from Kentucky and That's Virginia right. and South Carolina. I mean, yeah, I'm in Georgia, but they come from kind of all over the place, not just the southeast. Well, you know, friends is a great way to put it. We're all we've all gotten to be really good friends, and but you two in particular, I feel like it's almost like an extended family because you both recently had kiddos. Yeah. 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 Say, how old is your daughter? She's going to be two in August. She's in your nine months. Five. How many? Nine months. Nine oh, months. Goodness. And how old is the next closest? Uh, Eleven. Eleven. <laughs> hey, all right. That's fine. That's fine. So, do you have Matt? Do you have your uh, your daughter playing pinball or arcade yet? Uh, occasionally, she'll she'll get up there with me and just you know sit in my glass and slap on it some. But oh, that's all right. She's not flipping much yet. But I, we'll I've, get there. I've said it on the show that some of the kids in my family, the first time they were introduced to it. They would touch the glass because they thought it was like a touchscreen, like an iPad. And then and then they're kind of disappointed when they realize that the pinball, they can't touch it. But then when they figure out how to interact with it, they, their eyes light up. That's actually exactly it. what she does. Is it? She, she tries to touch the ball. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, Mike, you volunteered this year, is that yeah. right? So, how, how does that work? Well, you just... Uh, uh, Patrick usually sends out a, an email to those who served before, and I think he posted on the uh, Southern Fry Game Room Expo website that if you want to volunteer, you can sign up, and then he'll send a link later on where you can actually sign up for a specific job and at what time. Okay, so then when you volunteer, and I'm pretty sure this works the same way for a lot of shows. They'll have like a, a volunteer with a, a payback type of a situation. So, do you 
get passes, or do you have to, or, or do you just volunteer? I mean, I just volunteer for the fun of it. Oh, I don't, well, I'm not works. worried about the incentives. Okay. Oh, incentives. That's what yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. For. Okay. I know some shows they'll they'll give you a, a weekend pass. Yeah. Uh, usually you get that when you bring a game. I think it's a certain amount of hours, set amount of hours that you volunteer. Okay. That they'll do that. But a lot of times I'll just come even though I didn't sign up for the time. Okay, yeah. So like Thursday, I didn't sign up for Thursday because it was already full. I just came anyway. Well, and I've showed up to uh, events. I've had some time and I've come down to help with loading. Hey, Mike, there's wrestlers. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> when did you come in, Matt? When did, you, when did you make it into the show? This year I came in on uh, Friday. On Friday? Afternoon, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I, the I, show was in swing by the time you got here. No, I, I was really just right before the show kind of started. Like... I was told that I could not enter the ballroom yet because it has not opened except to vendors and exhibitors. <laughs> that was fantastic. You, that, you sound like either you've heard that several times or you've rehearsed it. <laughs> I may have tried more than once. Okay. Was it from the same person? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't trying too hard, but uh, yeah, I didn't check my watch before I came back. and I was excited, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can When you walk into the the ballroom the first thing you see walking in is the houdini from american pinball oh, it's right there in front of you, you know, i mean I, it's it's a siren calling to you i have walked past that game several times i have just you have to play and i've not gotten to play it's it. incredible Do it. it's really really a blast i i really uh well i've played it twice my second game was awful <laughs> because i just i don't know i just straight down the middle well that three ball times. wants to drain it does in that game it wants I, well, it, it's you, it's a nudge game it you is and it, it. Oh, it has a great. hard to see uh, a bumper between the flippers. It's got the, the pin bumper between the flippers. Yeah. Okay. And but it's got a black ring on it. A little post between it's the flippers. It's got a black ring on it between on a dark play field. So you really you got to remember it's there. Yeah. Because it doesn't remind you. Yes. And it does want to go straight down. And, uh, but uh, got into seance mode one time and the magnet play and that was just a blast because you think you're going to hit it and then it's all over the place. Now, if you you strike me as a DDR guy. I know there's two DDRs in <laughs> Did you see that? Why, why would I strike you as that, Brian? <laughs> I'm six foot tall and 250 pounds and I'm not exactly athletic. Well, where I was going... <laughs> that we're both bit, IT mediums. It's, it's just, it's, <laughs> yes, IT mediums. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> it's a shame this isn't a video podcast because the look on your face was exactly what I was hoping it was going to be. Have you played any video games? Anything that you hadn't played yet? I, mean, um, I keep waiting in line for not quite long enough to play the Sky Skipper. Okay. Um, well, we know people that have an in on the Sky we, Skipper. Yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't played that card yet. What okay. about Cloak and um, Dagger? There's no, a cloak and dagger I saw here. That. There is a cloak and dagger. And a blaster, too. I haven't you seen know what a blaster. I, William's blaster. They've got uh, Star Wars here that has actually stayed up for long enough for me to play a game. Yeah, but it's not It's not taking the, credits right yeah, now. Yeah, is what? that the one right inside the yeah. door? Yeah, I noticed that it wasn't. <laughs> I didn't on, break it. It was not free play. I tried to play it, but they have come around. And he has the door to. open, so but oh, okay. yeah, it's one of okay. those things where if the door is open, it's kind of questionable. If you're caught messing with yeah. a game, it's oh. yeah, that's that's bad. For I, so, I don't know. I credited it up like well, twenty credits, so I think that's that fair. I could play, but, and then whoever well, got when I first saw it, he had it. just brought it in, yeah. and he still had the court so, and I wasn't sure at that point. Like, it looked like you just set the game. Yeah. Because I wanted to give it a spin. I think that's Bobby. Bobby when Bobby. I got yeah. to it, the coin door was wide open, and I looked for 
her a credit button. Did you rummage around for any change? No. I would have. <laughs> I, I didn't even know. <laughs> I, I was actually just, you know, trying to remember how to coin it up that way. But, you know, it worked. Well, guys, I appreciate the time. Do you all want to go play some games? Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's go play some games. All right. Thank yeah, you thanks. all. Thanks, Brent. So Whitney and I are at the game room uh, in the middle of the game floor at Southern Fried Game Room Expo 2017. We're about ready to head off to uh, a little gathering. Uh, my voice is almost gone. Whitney, say hi. How's your voice holding out? I mean, my voice is so buttery smooth right now. It's, it's, a, it's, it's good. Right now. No, good. I'm not sick. Yeah. I made it through this one. And we are yeah. talking, the listener of the show, your name again was Terry? Yeah, Terry Rankin. Terry and Terry was telling us that we accompany him and his beautiful wife yeah. to work. And we do it for a full week because of our show. And That's I correct. just wanted to personally apologize. What's your wife's name? Dina, Dina Rankin. Dina. Dina, I would I I want to thank you and personally apologize for having to put up with us yeah. for a whole week. And, and, and Dina, I'll say this, I have absolutely no money, so I can issue you no refund on your time. But I really do appreciate you and your husband listening. Thank you. Thanks so very much. Yeah. Do you have anything to say to Dina before we go? Just, just sorry, Dina. And uh, <laughs> you know, He uh, says, and, I'm sorry. And, and, and all the ways that I spend money, all, all our things, you know, yeah. arcade related and so forth, you know, it, it's actually kind of sort of you, you know. Yeah, no, you no, guys, no. Right? Trust me, oh, oh, no. Trust me. We we got your back on that. Oh, yeah, yeah so, we got your back on that. So it yeah. was, it was all, right all the tips and tricks and everything. You know, I, yeah, I appreciate good it. Deal. Good so, deal. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Hey Whitney, where are we standing right now? And we're standing in front of uh, Brother Eddie Cox is what we're standing. Oh, this is Eddie Cox. I thought yeah. it was Mike. I interviewed you earlier, but that was actually Mike Martin. Right, right, right. Because we look so much alike. Yes. We covered that topic. Yeah. Yes, 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 you did. Still don't understand that, but it sure is funny. I'll yeah. say that. I have so many stories about of my inability to remember names. Yeah. It, it's just it's like a character flaw or trait, however you want to look yeah. at it. Eddie, who are you out here representing? Who's this on your shirt? Flippers Arcade. Uh, I'm here with my friend David Shields, and we brought 14 games this year. You bought 14 nice games. Well, I, I brought three from my collection. The rest are all David's. We are very blessed on the East Coast to have a collection like David's that we can enjoy and He's just one of those guys, and he's an operator, but he's also a collector, and he has a true love for the game. So, and, and from um, an operator's perspective, I know they always get the bad rap of just getting, you know, make it go, make it go. David has nice games. I mean, he keeps some. He, he really, I think you have a hand in that. Yes, yes. I, I, I we kind of have a, uh, I don't know what they call it, a symbiotic relationship or whatever, and I work with him. And he kind of helps me with my collection. I do restorations and yeah. repairs and help him out. And uh, it's a good friendship. I mean, we've, we, I've known David for a long time. So this is something that started just probably three or four years ago. But So let everybody know where Flippers is at. Because I've already mispronounced the name. Oh, well, you were close. I was you, close. you got the G. It's, uh, it's in great. <laughs> It's in Grandy, North Carolina, and if anybody um, vacations on the outer banks of North Carolina, like Nags Head, Kitty Hawk, Kill Devil Hills, it's it's on the way to the outer banks. So you're usually about 30 minutes away from the outer banks, from the resort area proper. 
Okay. Um, that's that's so, where. How many games does he typically have up? Uh, right now, um, there are about sixty pins in flippers, um, and there is redemption games. There are. We have one separate room now that has about I think twenty classic arcade games in it, and we're all the time doing changing that up and trying to build the collection. Some of it has more modern games until we fix some of the older stuff and put in there. Um, but like I said, a lot of the redemption, um, he has a brand new laser tag, which I know you're a big um, fan oh, of, I'm, and I'm you should see his laser tag, tag is state-of-the-art. I mean, it. he, when David does it, he, he goes big or stays home. So it's, it's a really great facility. So, so um, everybody, if you're uh, in North Carolina, if you're heading mm -hmm. to the Outer Banks to vacation, stop yep. in and check out Flippers. Absolutely. Eddie, I appreciate it. The yep. games are great. Thank you for ringing them. But you and I need to talk about the Flintstones later. Yes. Oh. No, you need to talk to David about that because that, there he oh, is right okay. there. Yeah, no, I'm not. That's not my game. Oh. Mm -mm. No, that's. I, that's I have, I've rekindled my love affair. That might be the new dip. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah. All right. Thank you, David. All right. So Whitney, now we're in the receiving line. Is this the receive? No, this is the food. Oh, this is the food line. This is the food line. I thought he was shaking hands and uh, kissing babies. Man of the hour. The man of the hour, Whitney Roberts, <laughs> Shannon DeWitt, Juan, and Juan. I will destroy. You know it. I will use which Juan. Pusino. Pusino. Yes. How are you all doing? Has the show been great? It's been wonderful. That's, I'm so excited. Across the board. Across the heard. board. It's just been awesome. Great. Everyone I've asked, and I didn't have to pay him this year to say it was great. They I did, but it's okay. It's okay. okay. That's all right. <laughs> man, it, we're having a ball. I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you a bunch of questions. I just wanted to say, man, it's an awesome show. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. Us. And thanks for being here. All right. No problem, man. I'm glad you invited us. Thank you. Yeah. All great. Right, we're going we're gonna to Go eat. We're, we're holding up the food line. Go eat. This guy's getting angry. Hung oh, no, angry. You wouldn't like me. Whitney, I hope you enjoyed the spooky panel as much as I enjoyed moderating it. Yeah, so solid, solid stuff. Dude. It is it's always great hanging out with those guys, talking to those guys, seeing what's going on in the spooky world. I, I appreciate what Charlie does so much. I mean, because he has he he has built an he has built a cottage industry. Just I mean, he will he's wielded into existence, man, and he survives, and it's great. He uh, he's such a great guy. He's so solid. He's a solid guy, you know. And yeah. just even thinking back to when Python was um, close to, well, just, there's no nice way to put it. He was close to passing away. Yeah, oh yeah. And I know Charlie was involved in working with the uh, the Python with Python and with the guys at Circus Maximus, yeah. trying to get some of the playfield yeah. stuff together Paul and for Jay. Paul, Paul and, and James. James. Yeah, Paul and for, James for uh, a uh, pinball circus, and I mean, and it's not like he, it's not like Charlie and company didn't have a million because that was right in the throes, the beginning of spooky pinball and yeah. trying to get America's most haunted out. And I mean, he's just he's a solid guy. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the good guys, and I'm just so glad to see the good fortune that they have. So it's it's great. Whitney, that brings us to Skyskipper. Yeah, I guess the you know the, the I want I want a the, beautiful Skyskipper bow, <laughs> the big Skyskipper cherry. The topic of the this. hour. How yes. about that? Tell us about Skyskipper and SFGE. All right. Well, it's it's probably best uh, to begin uh, bef to begin this segment of the show or this part of the story. Uh, Brent, uh, with Alex getting here to the States and everything kind of leading up to SFGE, all right? Because 
Um, I, I, I don't want to re here. Here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to recant everything that's already been said. Okay. Because I, if you're just, for listeners, if you're just kind of catching up to this for the very first time, go out to our website, skyskipperproject.com and just spend a few minutes and read the backstory on the project. It's all there. Everything that, everything that we've done, uh, well, I say it's mostly all there because I know at some point I forget things and a detail gets left out here or there, but the bulk of everything is out there and you can see the genesis of the project and uh, Alex and I and, and Ollie kind of getting together and, and how this thing grew and what it has become and uh, the plans for, you know, the plans for restoring the two cabinets and getting into NOA and you know, just having their sponsorship and their help and working with Billy Mitchell and Walter Day and Rich at this old game and everything like that. So in leading up to the reveal, but where I think this, this particular point of the story has merit is focusing on, uh, on Alex and I working together right up to the very, right up to the very, uh, you know, end of the end of the, our timeline, so to speak, right well, up to the reveal. It, uh, oh, Okay. The timeline ending at the current reveal because there's the a little bit more. Reveal. There's more to yeah, the story. There, there is. Okay. There is, and and I and I do want to make sure that that I mention that we speak to that because one of the very first questions that uh, that I got, you know, from a couple of interviews that were done right there at SFG and and even Billy Mitchell, you know, it made made note of this. He's like, you know, once you do one of these, it kind of uh, kind of you know, unearthing types of projects or historical research and, and you and you contribute something like this back to the hobby, then the expectation is set for you to do it again. And and Billy Billy asked me, even in private, he's like, What are you gonna do next? And my response to him was spend time with my family. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know what I'm gonna do it's, next. It's like when they when the guy wins the lottery, what are you gonna do? We're going to Disney. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I actually I'm spending I'm, time with my family. I'm spending time with my family. Actually we're gonna go to O Charlie's and I'm gonna get a salad <laughs> and then I'm gonna, you know, then we're gonna go to Disney. I don't know. But no, I, I mean I did just plain as day. I told him, I'm like, Billy, I, I, can, I don't know, but I am going to spend time with my I family. I can see that question, but yeah. is there some other, uh, there's got to be some, you know, there, Brent, something else out there to be, there, there has to be, but then I have to ask myself how many times, you know, how many times do I want to repeat the investment in time in the resources, the finances and everything like that to pull another skyskipper you know, out, out out of the wings and and push it forward. I'll be very honest with you. I don't really know that I've got a lot of interest in doing that because number one, this project was near and dear to my heart because number one, because it was Nintendo, mm-hmm. and just because I have just such a just a, such a love for that company's properties. And number two, um, this was this was a really once in a lifetime opportunity that I got to work on this project with Alex and, and with Ollie and then with everybody else that, that came, you know, that kind of came later in, in the project as well to, to help us finish this out. And, and then number three, um, you know, Brent, I mean, I've, I've got other things that I want to do in the hobby. I mean, I've got stuff that I want to do for my daughter. I, I need to, I, I have a backlog of games that I need to finish for myself and uh, you know, I'll just be straight up. It's really kind of hard to get some of that stuff done when you when you're putting a project like Skyskipper in front of everything else. Okay. Well, this was a little different in that you had some defined timelines. We did. And you, if you, not to get too far from it, but if, yeah. if there was something else out there that 
and I'm saying this as much as not be discouraging for somebody that may be in a similar position. Sure. You, you were working across the world to do this. Uh-huh. So you were rapidly approaching many timelines because there was a point in the future where everybody had to be in the same physical place. That's right. Yeah. I mean, we had to get Alex here to the States. We had to get the cabinet down to Atlanta. We had to have it ready and on stage and it, it able to turn on and play at a certain point on a certain day. And, um, and then on top of that, Brent, one thing that I I haven't mentioned, well, I, I alluded to, but I haven't mentioned outright is these projects. What makes them special is when you have an emotional attachment to the project itself or at least to the product that comes out of the project itself. And because because I, I do love Nintendo's properties and I and I just I love their arcade I love their arcade games and I, I just I just love so much of what Nintendo you know what Nintendo did during that era that it that it struck a chord with me and it became very easy for me to invest emotion into this and to want to see it through. Um, nothing against Atari and nothing against Bally or anything like that, Brent, but I, I just, nothing against Williams or, or, you know, or anybody that universal or anybody that, you know, that came after or the, or that was right alongside, but I just don't have the same nostalgia and the same emotional connection to those other companies like I do Nintendo and, and their arcade properties. So I, I would have a hard time buying in on some of these, on, on other titles from other manufacturers that may be in the same boat. I would best say that I would leave the passion for those games to someone who is passionate for the for that for those companies or those properties because it takes a certain it takes that level of passion to see this through mm-hmm. because Brent let me tell you buddy there are times when uh, either we didn't think it was going to get done or uh, you just wonder it's like you know do I do I have the wherewithal to make that you know to will this through and and you've got to have a certain passion for either what you're working on or for the company or whatever in order to make it worthwhile I, I'm not sure that you could do this for another class manufacturer because you mentioned Atari. Atari isn't today what it was then. That's right. Whereas in a way, Nintendo of America, Nintendo for the most part is. Uh-huh. Um, all the Atari assets, the name is traded around a billion times. I mean, what what does Atari mean today? Is it? Atari? I mean, I yeah. hate to say it, but it's the truth. Isn't an Atari that all their stuff ended up? Yeah, it was. It all ended up basically in a dumpster at an auction, and then somebody was lucky enough to be there and realize that those file cabinets still had files, and they started buying file cabinets. Yeah, Scott Evans. Yeah, who, Scott Evans, who's yeah. done this hobby so many solids. I mean, you know, total over the years. total luck. And there's yeah. the pin, pinball stuff that's all scattered to the winds from all the various companies. Williams, yeah. um, you know, there's there's a sort of history. It's just on the pinball side where all of those, let assets, alone the arcade side, exactly. Yes. So this is kind of this is kind of a perfect storm of things. Yeah. Uh, the absolute perfect storm yeah. of things to help get this to the point that you did. That, yeah, that's that's exactly right. So, so it, I, that was a very long, very long answer to what what is initially a very short question. But when you start to dig into it. You know, and kind of peel the onion on it. Uh, it it is a complex it, it is a complex answer, um, simply because you you can either answer it very matter of factly, or you can answer it with 
with some some empathy. And when you start to think about the answer with empathy, then you've got to give it a lot of thought, and you've got to say, "Hey, do I what what do I care about enough to do this again?" And so um, I don't know. I haven't I haven't found it yet, and may, maybe I won't. Uh, maybe I will. I don't know, Brent. Maybe you find the next one. Who knows? It's hard to say. Anything could happen. But uh, but anyway, that's you know that's kind of where where that wraps itself up at. So so yeah. So l- let me let me rewind here just a little bit and just say uh, that we that we do have a, a few folks to thank. First and foremost, before I get into the into the details on on what Alex and I worked on and then what what is to come for Skyskipper and, and what the future holds. I think for for the for the Skyskipper project. But first and foremost, um, do, do you have a few people to thank? No, first uh, number one. I say I said first and foremost like two times. I didn't want to say it again, Brent. Sorry about that. <laughs> I was I was I wanted to call some attention to Rich and Kendra specifically from this whole game because uh, Rich and Kendra, beyond a shadow of a doubt, went over and above for us uh, on the project, for Alex and I on the project, and they made the, they made the cabinet uh, what it was from, a, from a, you know, a physical appearance standpoint from the artwork. I mean, Rich just took what we gave him, and he just, he just took it to another level, and there's just no other way to say it. Um, he, he made Skyskipper look amazing. And so he, he did a, a great, great job. Uh, and Kendra was a lot of the, a lot of the logistics on it, I know, and she does a great job for this whole game. And it was very special getting, uh, getting both of them, uh, to SFGE and getting Rich up on the stage and sitting in the panel discussion with us. And, I just thought it was just a, a fitting, you know, a, a fitting proceeding for the work that he had done on this, and the help that he had provided. And I just wanted to make sure that uh, Rich and Kendra get the the proper call out and the proper uh, recognition that they so greatly deserve for the work that they've done. Uh, next up, uh, John Jacobson from uh, John's Arcade. I mean, John was there at SFGE. And, uh, you know, Brent, I'll tell you, I got a, got a chance to spend some time with John. Alex and I did. And, uh, and it was good time spent. I mean, John did a great job on his videos and uh, got, got to take some time and, and talk with him and, you know, just, just kind of sit and just, you know, just kind of chill out and, uh, you know, get to know him a bit and uh, talk about Skyskipper, talk about, you know, the arcade hobby a bit and everything. And it worked out really, really well. And he... He produced a, a great video, and um, he was very complimentary of uh, of my work and Alex's work and what we did on the project. And I was uh, I, I was very appreciative of that. So uh, definitely a, a great experience working with John there. Uh, the next one is uh, Van Burnham, and uh, Van is from uh, she's from the from the West Coast, and she is uh, from the Supercade. Uh, fame. She has uh, the Supercade book that's available on Amazon, and uh, she is just a uh, prolific and longtime collector in the hobby. And Van has supported us um, fairly early on in the project, and um, she flew out uh, Brent specifically to see Skyskipper, and uh, I, I I was humbled at that because here's Van who is seen a lot of machines and Mm -hmm. has a lot of machines and she has seen the rarest of the rare and has probably had the rarest of the rare several times over 
And um, she took a special interest in what we were doing, and she said, I want to see this game. I've been waiting years and years and years to see a skyskipper. And, uh, I mean, Brent, she <laughs> she showed up specifically for what Alex and I did. And I can't thank her enough because it was uh, had a great time just getting to know her over the weekend, and her support uh, meant the world. Now, I'm not much for... I'm not much for books. Oh, yeah. I'm not much for books. I do like the big picture ones. I know why people like to listen to this show. Yeah, exactly. Because we there is no shortage of material on us cutting ourselves down straight to the quick. But I'm not much for books. I'm not much for books. Where I was going with that is, as you have mentioned in the past, that you are a big coffee table type uh, book fan and you, well, you're a sucker for them. i'm a sucker for hard i'm a sucker for coffee books and hard you know hardback books well brent i i do i love to read and uh oh and i do have a shout out at the very end of the show that i i cannot forget but i i, I mean i love books and my library at home is actually pretty is actually pretty expansive so uh so yes yeah you are right i'm a sucker for books so I where i was going with that is i had not heard of this of her book supercade okay it's a supercade a visual history of the video game age 1971 to 1984 and just actually you know looking through google and some google images while you're you're talking here i, I may actually have to go out and try to track this down yeah it, well, you can uh, you can pick it up on Amazon, and uh, it's it's easily ordered on Amazon. Uh, or Brent, I tell you what, I could uh, I could talk to Van and see if she would uh, <laughs> and see if she would make you legit. Ooh, How about that? How's that? So, there you go. Let me, let me reach out to her and see if she'll do us a solid and get you get you one. Yeah, but um, I I encourage everyone to go check that, and that's from the guy that doesn't like books. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't like books, but I, I like that book. I don't like the book. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, we're we're so, man dude we're we're, we're so burnt um, she hears this show you're not gonna yeah exactly yeah not gonna be able to live that one down um and the next one is uh billy mitchell and walter day of course uh because uh billy and walter did uh did us just uh an, an excellent service on the project in in their own unique ways uh, Billy was a huge help, and Walter was just the 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 consummate gentleman uh, for the reveal ceremony and the kind words that he had for Alex and I, and through the cards and the certificate presentations. And you know, Walter does such a great job on making making you feel special and making making you feel like what you did uh, or what you accomplished matters. And I you know I appreciate Walter's uh, approach to things. I appreciate his demeanor and his outlook. And uh, he's he's a positive force in the hobby. And Billy Mitchell, uh, Brent, and for everybody listening, Billy Mitchell is just such a solid guy. I mean, over the course of the project, I got to talk to Billy repeatedly, and uh, and and got to talk to him about a myriad of different subjects, not just not just always skyscraper. And mm. and Billy's speaking of he uh, he he told me on the download to t- ask you to quit texting him. Oh, okay. did he yeah. really? No. Okay, <laughs> no problem. Hey, 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 real quick, I, I texted just uh, before you told me that I did text Billy Mitchell three times today. No wonder he didn't text me back, man. Gosh, well I'm, now, now I'm gonna have to call stalk him That's in order funny. to get this sorted out. But uh, yeah, all joking aside, um, yeah, Billy's Billy's a great guy, and he was nothing but helpful. Okay, I mean he 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 was I mean, he was just a, just a great great resource, and 
turned out to be a great friend of the project and um i mean he was he was fantastic to work with so extremely extremely helpful and uh not the not the stereotype that everybody wants to paint him uh, into a corner to be uh, by any means. So, and uh, then last but not least, my teammate Alex. Uh, I mean, Alex. Uh, it's it's funny. Everybody may say, "Well, why are you mentioning Alex?" And it's like, well, because Alex trusted me, and he trusted me to do what I said that we were going to do and what we could do. And I know Alex put a lot of trust in in me uh, for him to come over to the states for the very first time to stay uh, you know he stayed with us at our house to stay with you know people that he that he had just only met in person hours ago and to pack up and leave his family and to fly to a strange place and to invest his money in doing that and uh and for lack of a better way of saying it i mean he put his reputation on the line on my word and so i thank him for that because i didn't want to let him down and i knew we wouldn't let him down and there were times that i thought uh, I might let him down, but ultimately I knew I wouldn't let him down. But I have to thank him uh, for trusting for trusting in me and trusting in the fact that we would get done what we said that we would get done. You know, Brent, it's it's interesting because you know Alex Alex kind of started the project and then we all kind of came into into specific parts of it to get it done, and we all had our role to play. But uh, but ultimately, he put a lot of trust in me because I because I, I sold him on the fact that yes, we can do this. Yes, we can make this happen. Yes, Alex, believe believe me when I say that we can get to X, Y, and Z and make the and make this a reality. And uh, I, you know, I appreciate him putting his trust in me for that. So, and last but certain certainly not least is Jonathan Wild. And I do want to make sure that I, I do give a special shout out to Jonathan uh, on this brand because. Uh, Jonathan took it upon himself to reach out to me uh, in due course of the project, and Jonathan and I—well, I mean, we we had met at prior SFGs and everything, but we didn't we didn't really know each other all that well. Brent and Jonathan offered his help to me on uh, teaching me some of the specifics on on the cabinet restoration and helping me with that, and so. Uh, Jonathan is to be commended, and he's the he's a perfect example of good people in this hobby, and the fact that this hobby can bring people together and for unite for a common cause and get stuff done. So in, in across across state lines. So Jonathan, uh, dude, your tops in my book. It was uh, it was we had a great time, and everything turned out uh, top shelf because of that. So. So with all that, Brent, that's got that's got all the thank yous out of the way, okay? And and I'm sure there's there are others. And if I left anybody out, I certainly apologize. Um, there are a couple of other people I will mention at the very end when we talk about future plans. But uh, but for now, let's Brent, let's let's talk a little bit about Alex and Alex's trip and us leading up to SFGE. So uh, I picked Alex up at the airport, and uh, he flew in after an extremely long flight here to the states. He had multiple, you know, multiple delays in getting into uh, Louisville because he flew from uh, Heathrow to Chicago to Louisville. And uh, Alex wound up uh, staying with uh, me and my family, or my family and I, for a few days before we wound up going down to Atlanta. So got some time uh, to to spend with Alex, get to know him better, and uh, took him out to several restaurants. Brent and got got him 
uh, I guess, kind of uh, uh, inaugurated in the, you know, the good old USA way of life, you know, hitting up some restaurants and, you know, seeing some. It was his first time in the States, wasn't it? It was his first time in the States, yes. So uh, we took him to, uh, man, one place that I'm sure you'll recognize, we took him to Mike Lennings for fishing. Oh, you did. Yes. (laughs) So one night we took him to Mike Lennings. What did he think of that? Uh, He loved it because, man, he got an order of cod and onion rings that were as big as his face, okay? And, uh, and, and for the, for those that don't know, Mike Lennings is kind of like a Louisville tradition. It, it is a Louisville been here tradition. Since the fifties, yeah, yeah, it, it easily that long, and it's it's essentially a fish house is yes, what it yeah. is. But it's grown in it's grown into so much more than that. They've got just a beautiful, beautiful, um, you know, beautiful um, uh, outdoor seating and eating area indoors. Well, and it, it's one of those restaurants that is uh, it is identifiable with the city and it has a long-standing uh history with the city as well so it's uh it's survived through many decades and um and it's family owned and it's just just a great great restaurant i wound up taking him to um the what's brent i don't know if you are aware of this or know of this or have heard of this but it's called the colonel's lady and the colonel's lady is a restaurant that was um started by claudia sanders who is the late wife of Colonel Harlan Sanders, who started Kentucky Fried Chicken. And so... Uh, I knew all that, but I've never heard of the Colonel's Lady. Never heard, never heard of the Colonel's no. Lady. Well, it's right outside. It's right outside the city that I live in. Okay, and um, it's it's her own. It's Claudia's only restaurant, and she started it uh, as a way to offer the Colonel's uh, recipes been in a much more upscale dining experience than what you would normally see at, you know, a fast food KFC. Mm-hmm. And so she expanded on the menu. And so it offers what KFC offers and then some. So it's a superset of KFC's menu. Okay. But, uh, they, you know, they offer the complement of fried and baked chicken, broiled chicken and all that, but then, you know, full service salad bar and buffet and everything like it's, it's wonderful. And so, uh, so we treated uh, Alex to that one night as well, and then we then we cooked in one night at the house just on the grill and everything like that. Just had a great great time. And so, so during the you know during the days, Brent, I still had to work, so I'd I'd take Alex into Louisville and drop him off and let him go sightsee and stuff like that. And uh, took him around to a couple of uh, retro game shops of an afternoon. Uh, you know, he's, he's big into console collecting and everything. So we got, uh, you know, got to get him, uh, out and about into Louisville to, you know, find some games that he was able to buy and take back to, take back to England with him and everything like that. So that was cool. But, you know, but nights and, and the weekend leading up to, uh, going to SFGE, Brennan, and, um, I took off, let's see, I took off one day prior. And so that's when we really put all the finishing touches on Skyskipper, and so, so Brent, you know, when, when we weren't, you know, I guess kind of, uh, when I wasn't working and we weren't, uh, you know, at restaurants and stuff, you know, just kind of, you know, taking in some of the early evening activities and stuff like that, we spent our time together finishing the skyscraper cabinet. And, uh, when Alex got there, uh, it was, it was pretty interesting because when Alex got there, skyscraper wasn't done. And I think I sent, wound up texting you a picture of me having multiple monitors, you know, strung out on the floor and power supplies and, you know, everything fired up with the crafty Meg TPG and all this and all that. And, uh, and so everything, everything was finished from a mechanical perspective or from an electronic perspective. It was more so just cabinet reassembly and artwork application is, is really what we had sitting in front of us, Brent. But, um, 
it, as as with every project, it always winds up taking more time than you think it it would. And so Alex and I burned a lot of midnight oil, you know, getting Skyskipper done. And uh, I, I'm I was I am glad to say that we that we did finish it well in time uh, on on that Wednesday leading up to you know heading down to SFG on Thursday, but. Um, but we we didn't finish it with with you know so much time that we had time to burn but we finished it within a respectable time before we had to leave so we weren't just literally putting the finishing you know applying the side art and wrapping it and taking it straight down to Atlanta it didn't work out that way we we had some good buffer time in between but uh but we we were we were down you know we were down to the wire a bit so um it it worked out but we had a good time doing it so, uh, so Brent, you know, when Alex got there, uh, you know, we still had, I still had the monitors to put in, uh, still had the course, the game with the PCBs to put in and everything like that. We still had the artwork to apply. Uh, I just finished rebuilding, uh, the monitor that was to go into Scott or that went into Skyskipper and the spare and the power supply and the spare, because we wound up taking spares of everything with us to SFG, just in case the, the game were to, I guess, kind of. You know, take a take a dirt nap, or you take, know, take to go a, take all a that dive. way, and then yeah. have something silly. Uh-huh. You know, relatively speaking, kind of shut you down shut, for the shut, week. Shut yeah. you down for the weekend. That's right. I mean, if that thing had not fired up on the stage, um, that would have been one thing. That would have been bad. But if it had gone down over the course of the weekend when it was supposed to have been there and billed to be there on free play, that would have been bad. So we just tried to make sure that we planned for for every contingency and took spares of of everything that we could uh, that we could take with us. We we took with us. So what does that mean? That means I wound up uh, rebuilding two Sanyos, uh, you know, twenty EZs. I wound up rebuilding two PP nine hundred A power supplies. Uh, rebuilt the joystick for the control panel, uh, and and literally kitted up Skyskipper from from the ground up. Now, for everybody who who is listening, I, I want to make sure that I say this. You know, we wound up uh, using a dilapidated uh, versus Unisystem upright cabinet, and I'm not really sure what it was before that. But uh, we did not gut my Popeye, did not harm <laughs> my Popeye in any way, shape, or form. Uh, my Popeye did donate its monitor. I will say that. Uh, but it was because the monitor was just just picture perfect out of the Popeye, and it Skyskipper needed that. So I do have a monitor with some Popeye burn to go back into my Popeye, which will be a fitting a fitting you know twenty easy to go back into that game. So you know no no harm no foul. But we use the Popeye to guide us on the assembly of the Skyskipper. And when I say guide us. What I mean by that is to make sure that we had the wiring harness run properly, to make sure we had all the ground points identified properly and everything, you know, the, all the ground harnesses were kitted properly for that. And, you know, Brendan, I mean, if you ever were to work with a, a Nintendo grounding harness, that thing is, that by the time you take it out of the cabinet, you have no idea how it goes back in the cabinet, even if you just took it out three minutes ago because it like spider webs itself say, everywhere. Is, does Popeye do... Uh, the same as I've uh, the Nintendos I have reverses. Yeah, and it's basically they're all the same. It's got it's the green wire. It's the green wire just, that that mounts in twelve different places yeah. in the cabinet. Yeah, it's a pain gotcha. in the butt. But so you know we needed a good working Popeye to base that off of, and 
and you know, and just all the little bits and pieces that make it as historically accurate as you possibly can make it. So, and that that comes to you know, coin door and you know the max and the service switch and the coin counter and you know grounding the control panel and everything like that because we took we took our charge seriously on making sure that this cabinet was as historically accurate to uh, what what is at NOA as as humanly possible given everything that we had and by and large I think we succeeded there so uh, we did have to we did have to uh, be a little creative on the PCB mounting because the um, the PCB mounting plates that the boards that Alex had uh, were different uh, from what you would normally see uh, on a Popeye or on a Donkey Kong style PCB. And I think it was because these were um, these boards were factory converted to Popeye, so they were they were they were just treated a little differently. So they didn't have the quote unquote the production mounting rails on the uh, on the mounting plates. So we did. I did have to devise uh, a mounting mechanism for for that particular PCB plate inside the cabinet. But uh, I've got pictures of it up on the website, and I and I think it I think it worked out really well what we wound up doing. But um, I did you know I did get one of the PCB mounting um, I guess one of the PCB mounting bases you know attach that back into the cabinet uh, because this does not have the cage like Popeye mm-hmm. has or Donkey Kong Three has. So I went old I went quote unquote old school um, you know for the for the harness and the um, and, and the uh, the PCB base and everything like that. So that all works out, that all worked out and is true to uh, how Skyskipper the Skyskipper at in a way is uh, is configured so like i say i think the only liberty we had to take was in securing the the pcb plate to the cabinet itself but uh, outside of that it, it's it, to me it's 100 percent accurate as to what i saw at NOA. Um, and again that's only because of how this particular pcb sets were were mounted but um on their plates but anyway that notwithstanding uh, we you know we we got all of the um, got all the mechanics and and all of the hardware back inside Skyskipper and then Alex and I took uh, took our time and we applied the side art because uh, he had not applied side art before and he wanted to see how how I do it and it was it was nice uh, actually it was nice having a second set of hands there Brent because we only had one set of side art and if I messed it up we didn't have time to get a second set you know there there was just no time built in for that and um you know rich did a fantastic job on everything it was uh you know i mean everything was laminated it was durable it was heavy duty it was the quality was just everything you wanted it to be but uh, we we just had one set and so uh you know i used the wet method to apply the side art and uh you know Al- taught alex how to do that and you know, he he provided a second set of eyes and made sure I had everything lined up properly. And Brent, you would be proud of me. I did use a level on applying the side art, <laughs> and that side art is 100% level and perfect. I can guarantee you that. We did have a couple people say, "Man, that side art looks kind of crooked," or "I think that side art's riding a little too tall on the cabinet," or "That side art's not. It, it's 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 too close to the back of the cabinet." I'm like. No, it's not. And no, it's not. And no, it's not. <laughs> that side art is perfect. It, it is It is approximately and exactly two and a quarter inches off the top and two and a quarter inches from the back. And it is as level as ace. 
Um, what what makes it look a little bit odd is because the top of the side art has the hump where Mr. U's plane's propeller, the prop is for his plane. And it I know it makes it look a little off because that portion of the side art is higher than the two and a quarter inches. But the base of the side art is two and a quarter inches and it uh, it mirrors exactly what Popeye does. It mirrors exactly what Donkey Kong 3 does. It mirrors exactly what Donkey Kong does. Everything. The base of the side art is between two and two and a quarter inches off top. So, you know, take your pick, and that's that's what we chose. That's that's how we chose to do that. Um, you know, applied it to both sides, worked out all the bubbles. I uh, used... Uh, Used um, some of my powder-coated uh, stock and my Nintendo bracket stock and everything for the cabinet. I uh, assembled it all back together. We had to uh, had to wire up the other button for the um, you know for the additional button for the control panel because uh, Skyskipper does use two buttons instead of all other Nintendo games using one, and um, all other Nintendo arcade games rather using one, and um, or at least within arcade games of that era, mm-hmm. you know, R type and stuff notwithstanding. But anyway. Um, so all those use one button, and so we had to accommodate that. And uh, you know, Brent, we spent some time play, you know, playing the game and just uh, you know getting to know the game a bit better. I mean, I'd played it a lot in Mame at this point, but playing it on hardware is just completely different. Uh, you know, I, I took a Popeye stick and um, I'll, I'll string this together. I promise. I took a Popeye stick and took it apart and rebuilt it. And uh, swapped out the four-way restrictor plate for um, for a uh, a new or what is a reproduction restrictor eight-way restrictor plate from Mike's Arcade. And I'll say this, Brent: I had a couple of eight-way restrictor plates um, on versus joysticks. Okay, and I tried those, and then I tried the reproduction eight-way restrictor plate from Mike's Arcade. And I'm telling you, the eight-way restrictor, the repro, the repro restrictor plate from Mike's gave so much, so much superior action to that joystick. And I don't know if it was because it's new, and I think the detents on the restrictor plate were sharper. That's what I was um, going to ask. Was the was the original, but used just worn? It was just worn and rounded down, mm-hmm. is what I think it was. And so the 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 reproduction restrictor plate, the, you know, the detents were just a little sharper. And uh, even though the 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 Nintendo joystick is known to be loose, and you want it to have that loose feeling, but the um, the reproduction restrictor plate gave it enough rotational action but you could still stop it at any of the gates that you needed to stop it at along the eight-way travel that it was it, it felt just perfect and and a lot of people uh complimented uh complimented the joystick and commented the same you know over the course of the weekend so wound up rebuilding the joystick and, and you know brent by the time you put everything together you wipe it down you look at it you play it you wipe it down again and you just go over it a hundred times before you wrap it up you just want to make sure everything's perfect when you've got so much writing, you know, on 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 a reveal like this and showing something like this to the public. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I think I think we did good. I think it showed well. I think it uh, I, I think it was uh, respond. I, I think the response to it was it was overwhelmingly positive. You know, we've had good follow on, and uh, and Alex and I, Alex and I had a good time. You know, on putting uh, putting the cabinet together. I'm glad that it worked out to where I was able to save some of the work for when he got there because I think it meant more to him and it meant more to me rather than him just walking down a staircase. I'm saying I kind of yanked the cover off of their skyscraper. It's like, hey, dude, their skyscraper. And it's like, huh, 
that's kind of cool. And then you, then you kind of go on your way. You know, it was nice because he got. Let's to, go. Let's go to Mike Lennings. Yeah, exactly. Let's go to Mike Lennings. Oh yeah, hey dude, I told you I get this guy skipper thing done. I got it done. Now let's go eat. You know, let's go eat and drink some beers. You know, it, I think it. I think it was far more. Um, it makes it a little more real because your hands into way it. more real. Yeah, and and he, I think he appreciated everything that I that I went through on the cabinet because he got to see it firsthand. And I and I know that it definitely gave him some good ideas on what he wanted to do for his cabinet, for his restoration and his reveal uh, coming up in October. And he and I got to he and I got to to make it ours is what we got to do. So it it, it worked at it worked out really well, dude. I, I was real happy with that. Um, so you know, so so we went through went through that, and uh, you know, got the cabinet loaded up, took it down to uh, took it down to Atlanta, and you know, the the reveal is is documented uh, again. Uh, I mentioned John John Jacobson and John's Arcade. It's also um, I mean, his video is fantastic. Um, Daniel Copeland did a video that that is really good as well, and it's and Alex features it on his YouTube channel as part of his latest video on on Alex's uh, Nintendo Arcade channel. And then um, Isaiah Triforce Thompson did a video, and that's on the Empire Arcadia YouTube uh, channel as well. So there's three videos that were taken over the course of the weekend of the reveal, and uh, and I, I encourage you to go check all, check all three of them out. They're 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 different. Uh, but they're all good. There, there's no doubt about it. So, you know, fast forward through the weekend, Bryn, and you know, like I said, the response was overwhelmingly positive. We load Skyskipper back up, and um, you know, now it's time to uh, now it's time to talk uh, for here just a few minutes, Brent, before we kind of kind of put a wrap on this episode. Is uh, you know what happens to Skyskipper now, and and where where does it go? Because I've had just as many people say, "Hey, Wendy, what happens to the cabinet?" You know what? What do you do with it now? Does it go back in your collection? You know, do you do you showcase it? You know, across the United States or, or what? And so, it's probably the best way for me to answer this is uh, is to just just to just say it. Yes, the cabinet does go back into my collection. Um, no, I don't really want to showboat it around over the next two years to five or ten or fifteen different shows. Um, you know, I I may take it to a few more shows, but. I don't really, uh, you know, Brent. I don't really have the the financial wherewithal to go cross country to go cross country with in this thing. Twenty four months in twenty four yeah. months. That's exactly right. And so, um, if anybody's interested in having Skyskipper at a show, then yeah, reach out to me and we'll talk. But um, I'm more so. I, I'll be I'll be just as straight across the nose with this as I possibly can be. Right now, I'm more so interested in helping Alex get his reveal set for play expo manchester in october because uh i now have to live up to my end of the bargain and help him get his reveal done in the uk um and so that's like i said it's coming up the middle of october and uh, and alex has got alex has got some work ahead of him you know because he's starting out with a uh with a cabinet that needs work just like i started out with a cabinet that needs work and um and so uh, we want his reveal to be every bit the one uh, we want his reveal to be every bit for the UK as this reveal was for the US. OK, and so so that's my near term goal is to help him make sure that he is successful on that. And, um, 
then you know, Brent, I, I know we've um, we've talked to David Corgan about uh, taking Skyscraper down to Nashville for the Grand Old Game Room Expo. That'll happen, uh, it, barring no, barring no unforeseen um, you know no no unforeseen circumstances. And then then we'll see what happens from there. Um, we are working uh, we are working on you know a way to preserve the Skyskipper hardware for the future so that one board failure doesn't uh, take Skyskipper out and erase it from, you know, from history. Uh, yes, it is available in MAME. I get that. Um, but, uh, but without... Hardware is different. Hardware is different. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I was, yep. ser- I was searching. Hardware, hard, it's, it's I was, different. I was searching for the complimentary way of saying that. Yes. Okay. Because I did not want to disparage MAME because I would never disparage MAME. All right. But hardware is different. And playing that game on hardware in the cabinet is w- a way different experience than playing it in MAME. And trust me, I've played it in MAME enough and I can speak from experience, it's two different experiences. <clears throat> so we are going to try our best to provide a way to preserve the hardware in the future so that Skyskipper does not get lost. Um, I, the best way I know to say that is just stay tuned. Subscribe to the website, skyskipperproject.com, and we'll have more to announce on that over time. And uh, with that, I would say, uh, you know, Brent, that's uh, that's pretty much a wrap on the Skyskipper project. Uh, we were privileged to do it. We were privileged that Nintendo helped us. We were privileged that folks such as Billy Mitchell and Walter Day uh, saw merit in what we did and, uh, and and offered us our help. We were privileged that you know just uh, just salt of the earth guys like uh, you know like Jonathan Wild said, "Hey, I love this hobby so much, and I love what you guys are doing so much. I want to help." And then we were privileged that uh, that that guys that that have the media reach like John Jacobson and, and Isaiah Thompson, uh, you know, decided to uh, to take interest in what we were doing, and and we we benefited from from all from everybody's interest, and and we hope that everybody who took interest in us benefited as well. So it was a team effort. So. Uh, so yeah, Brent, that's it. I mean, there's there's more to there's more to write on Skyskipper. It's not I was done by say, one yeah, it doesn't, shot. Doesn't sound like the book is re- is closed. No, there's no, more it's coming. not. Yeah, yeah, there's more coming. But uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to just, uh, I don't want to just put it all out there, okay? And then create a set of timelines and and expectations to where people then start to. Uh, start to beat me up over it, over why isn't this done yet, or, or hey, can I get this, or hey, can I get that? What I will say is we'll, we'll have some good stuff for people that are interested in helping us, and uh, I'm, hope, I'm hoping that over the next 9 to 12 months we can make that a reality. But uh, I've also got some other stuff I'm working on as well, Brent. I mean, I want to re I want to rehab our website. I've got other stuff that I want to do for my daughter, and you know, Skyskipper will take its rightful place, um, but it will not be my primary focus. But it will also get focus. Okay. But uh, like I say, over the next uh, nine to twelve months, we're going to have some pretty cool stuff to say about Skyskipper for the next chapter. I'm going to have to go book back and look at uh, Triforce Johnson's videos because he he did quite a bit of coverage during the reveal yeah and i know he got some some pretty close shot john did as well yeah, you know, yeah. john you, john got some good shots you all too. were really good about allowing full access to well as much access as you could up to the point yeah for, uh, for to, john. To, to to well yeah to john to uh to skyskipper yeah, i mean it it yeah. was uh um you know something you really shared you put a lot of effort 
and a lot of work and uh, of course and a we lot were, of time then, then and we then, were very open and about very sharing and very open yeah. and you know here yeah. here's here's the thing i want to say because it, it would have been i couldn't see you do this but i could see someone going in and, and not uh, not not just not a- asking people not to but not allowing people to film like that yeah so that you could keep you could keep that for yourself yeah but but you didn't no you all we didn't no we didn't and here's here's the one thing i'm going to say if there's one thing that this this project has taught me is that the world's a pretty small place and it's smaller than I realized because, you know, meeting Alex uh, and, and Ollie and, um, and, and John Porchy, who, who, who is uh, another unsung hero on the project who wishes to, wishes to, um, to, to just kind of do his work and, and not really, not really be drawn out in the spotlight. And I totally respect that. And, um, and then some of the contacts that we, that we made over in Japan and everything like that, Brent, what I've learned is this this world's a pretty small place. And um, I, I, I think I was talking to you off mic about this is I credit my wife in in helping me to understand that the best thing that I can do to make sure that the project counts for something is to be as inclusive as possible and to trust people. And when they say that they've got our best intentions at, at in mind, uh, to trust them at that. And you know something, Brent, that trust worked out in this project. The trust worked out. And so, uh, yeah, so opening opening up what we did to John and, uh, and to others to film, I mean, man, that's, that's us wanting to pay it forward and to say, hey, we want this project to be something that unifies the community and brings people together and helps build bridges and, and helps create friendships and relationships. And it does so in a way that um that leaves something behind and it's something that people care about and uh and and can be beloved because it's nintendo and it's just what it was and everybody everybody united around a common theme i think brent at the end of the day i think we did i'll I'll use air quotes here but i think we did a good thing i I believe that you did yeah i I do yeah Uh, it's a lot of work a lot of effort and i think you know, like you said, it's a great thing. It's awesome. It's a great thing, and I, I think it brought a lot of people together. And um, yeah, and and it again, it just made the world a smaller place. And everybody seemed to really love what we do. And and I, I appreciate each and every person that took time to either write an email in, contact us on tw- contact me on Twitter or or Facebook or whatever. And Brendan, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. I mean, literally hundreds of responses over the past, let's say, two weeks. Uh, since the reveal and uh, every single one of them means something. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm a very fortunate guy right now. So it was awesome. Whitney, you mentioned that it was going to be at a, a future show a yeah. show here real soon. So you want to talk about some upcoming shows and then yeah. I think we might put this one in the history books. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you're uh, going to, you yeah. say I'm good with it. You say you're gonna. We're gonna be at the uh, Grand Old yeah, Game th- Room thank Expo. You, thank you. Okay, that, that's, that's what yep. I was. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. We are going to be at the Grand Old Game Room Expo. I, I'm looking so forward to this show. I, I love this show. I, I do. I love what David does. It's just such a solid show. So looking forward to it. That's November 10th through the 12th, of course, 2017. It's the Franklin Marriott Cool Springs, Nashville, Tennessee, yep. and their website is Grand Old. 
Expo, G-R-A-N-D-O-L-E-E-X-P-O.com. Yeah, and then I, I do want to make sure that we mention Free Play Florida, which uh, which comes up in the week right after the Grand Ole Game Room Expo. <laughs> but uh, I did get a chance to uh, talk to um, uh, Brian Jones and William Stillwell uh, down uh, while we were in Atlanta. And uh, Brian and, and William are just – they're top-notch guys, and they put on a great show there. And, now uh, and, I did. I did get me, to meet Brian. I didn't yeah. get to spend much time with him. Yeah, I took him over and introduced him to David, oh, uh, David Corrigan. Yeah, great. And, and great. I just, I just, I just kind of asked him. I said, "Are all the organizers going to get together for a, a, like a, a, a meeting?" That's, because oh I, no, that's awesome. You did that, man. I, I know. It's some of the shows. Some of the podcasters will get together and we'll talk show stuff off in a corner. Just to yeah. how are you doing this and what's this? How's this working for you? And trade ideas. And yeah, uh, I've been to some shows where the any show organizers that come, they'll do the same. Yeah. And yeah. I, I I mentioned that to uh, uh, David, and he's uh, I'm sorry. Preston and Patrick. No, 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 no. From from Free Play Florida. Oh, from oh, Brian, uh, Brian, Brian. Yeah, Brian. I mentioned that to Brian, and uh, I said, "Well, I know David Corrigan. If you met, and he didn't. I said, "Well, let's start this off well, right that's, now." That's so awesome. Yeah, that's I took great. him over and let him have. You know, maybe they maybe they got some some expo secrets. You know, yeah, yeah, something traded like that. about. But that's yeah, a good deal. Uh, I, yeah, we have to make, try to make it down. Man, I've said if I go to Orlando, I'm probably going to Disney. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm if, sorry. If, if I go to Orlando, I, I've got to bake it in. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So I, I'd want to go to Disney as well. But yeah, Free Play Florida is November 17th, 18th, and 19th, uh, 2017. It's held at the uh, the Hilton DoubleTree Sea World, and it is in Orlando, Florida. And their website is wp Whitney, I think that wraps us up for this episode. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it does, Brent. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know what else to say. Yep. I mean, we we gave S, the SFG a recap of uh, the mother of all recaps. I think we we're leaving Skyskipper in a good place uh, with more to come. So yeah, dude, it's it's been a great show. I've really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed doing this type of recap. So it was fun. I think next week, as we mentioned, the top of the show. We'll- get back to our regular irregular next month rather next month yeah. Yeah. oh yes yeah. our regular irregular format there you go there you go and uh um uh, hopefully a lot has changed uh in, in both of our game rooms and you know that we've had a little we'll have a little bit of breathing room and some free yeah. time and can yeah, kind of yeah. get back to life as usual yeah so. exactly exactly so brent tell us where people can find us man we can be found on Rob O'Hare's wonderful throwback network at www.throwbacknetwork.net. We're on iTunes and we've asked before and we will ask again, you know, please go out on iTunes and uh, rate the podcast. It helps gets us noticed and really increases our reach. Uh, Stitcher radio, Xbox music and the Google play store. Yeah. And on social media, uh, Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash broken token, Twitter at broken token and the website, uh, www.brokentoken.com. And with that, Brent, that's a wrap on this month's show. So we'll say, keep your quarters clean and game on. Oh, 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 oh. and by the way, real quick before we go, yep. Make sure every clown you see, you hit them with a billy club. They'll love you for it. Congratulations, you made it to the end of another episode of the Broken Token Podcast. I promise they'll do better next time. Maybe next episode, they'll actually listen to me for a change. 
Just go easy on the guys. They don't have a lot to work with. But I know their moms would be so proud. We want to hear your feedback, comments, rants, raves, and otherwise, both good and bad. Drop us a line via email at podcast at brokentoken.com. You can also call us at 470-2-CALL-BT. That's 470-222-5528. And leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you, and we might play your message on air in the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broken Token and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Broken Token. Britt and Whitney are always posting content between the official episodes, and it's a great way to stay involved with the show between the shows. You can find our podcast on the iTunes Store and on Stitcher Radio. Just search for Broken Token and subscribe to the show. Like what you hear? Please consider leaving us a review on the iTunes Store and on our Stitcher Radio page, as the reviews help out the show. Please visit our website at brokentoken.com for articles, reviews, restoration logs, direct show downloads, and expanded show notes for this and every episode. Once again, thanks for listening. The Broken Token Podcast would like to thank the only person on staff who has actual vocal talent. Miss Christy Litzy. And that's me. <laughs> Music for the Broken Token Podcast graciously provided by Hasey Dixie. Head over to their website at www.hayseed-dixie.com for videos, tour dates, merchandise, and to purchase music. Whitney, I hope you enjoyed the spooky pinball panel. I know I enjoyed up the, being up there with the. I don't let it. Yeah. Casey Relford's drinking game, round two. And that's all we have to say about that. <laughs> and done.